Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. It is. That's all right. Hey, Eric, that's okay. Eric the Tech messing up in his spaceship. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Monday, June 11th, 2018. I want to welcome everyone to the show tonight. Welcome to, uh, uh, I, I'm actually hearing another program. Yeah, we have a, a global star, very light global star feed. I hear Joe Charles in, uh, yeah, and then it's well, gone. what could be happening here? I, I, I can do the uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, something's crazy in my ear. <laughs> we have a faint uh, uh, broadcast. Uh, this broadcast has about five-second delay, ten-second delay coming through. All right, well, at any rate. Very faint. We'll, we'll uh, plow through. I, 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 how, how is everyone today? I just want to ask that. Tired. Uh, tired, right? Yeah. Jeez, for a Monday, you'd think it's like a Wednesday or Thursday. Nah, like. nah, you know what? You just gotta, just gotta take a deep breath and, uh, move on. A lot, a lot of news to cover, a lot of information. We've got, uh, an interesting situation. I, I want to just start off the program by talking about something that, that, uh, just took fire in social media here. And I want to thank, uh, Melissa Zacharia, the honeybee. I want to thank Tracy Beans. I want to thank, uh, uh, Craig Sawyer. I want to thank a lot of people who are uh, involved in this. You, you, might, you might have caught wind of this social media firestorm about a, an alleged sex camp in, um, rape camp, sex camp in South Tucson. This was discovered, reportedly discovered, at least in terms of the, uh, uh, from Craig Sawyer, uh, uh, Tuesday, March, or Tuesday, May 29th of this year. And it was discovered reportedly by a group known as Vets on Patrol. And Vets on Patrol is head, uh, led by someone by the name of Michael L. Meyer. Alright. Now, he goes by a number of different other names, but that's his legal name. And as the story un- unraveled, um, Craig Sawyer from Vets for Child Rescue, an organization that we know, that we support, that we believe in, that we believe in 100%, was contacted by a third party. Now, follow me on this. Vets on Patrol, which apparently is a group in Arizona, southern Arizona, that does a lot of good for homeless vets and homeless, found what appeared to be a, an uh, itinerant, shall we say, rape camp or an encampment, more like an encampment. Picture a, uh, uh, picture what would be like a, uh, uh, septic tank turned on its side and a lead, well, what looked like a kind of a chest of drawers, uh, in this septic tank. Some debris with inside, uh, a tarp, uh, covering the entire area in this thicket of trees outside a tree with Straps at various heights. When I say straps, I'm talking think think of a used fire hose that were that were nailed to the tree. All right. Well, vets on patrol had gone through this 
camp, encampment. I'll, I'll, I'll just use the word camp, campsite, and uh, gone through it and looked at all of this and believed it. But right away said, this is a rape camp. Contacted an interim agency. And by the way, everything I'm, I'm giving you is fact. This is not speculation. This is fact. Based on my investigation yesterday, talking with a Tucson Police Department official, Craig Sawyer, and others. So what I'm telling you is fact. Not speculation, not rumor, not stuff on the Internet, not stuff on Twitter, not stuff on Facebook, not stuff that's second and third hand. This is fact. That's on patrol contacted a second party. Second party contacted Craig Sawyer. Craig Sawyer, close by, loaded for bear. Craig Sawyer was told by the second party. Number one, there was, there were, there were, there was at least one, if not more, young children being held in this area. In addition, one or more perpetrators being held by the people at Vets on Patrol. This is what got Craig Sawyer out, loaded for bear, armed up, ready to go. So he, he, and, he and his team, he contacted his film team because there's a lot, it's a long story, but there's a lot that goes into these kinds of things. And, and thinking that there was maybe a perp and some uh, children that needed rescued, you know, he, he beat feet down there, again, loaded for bear. When he arrived at the scene, he was met by three Tucson Police Department officers. And what they saw initially, yeah, it, it certainly looked like it could have been uh, in a camp. But it can't be used for um, the initial initial view. It could be a, it can't be used for sex kind of things. Yeah, whether this was set up this way or or whatever the reasons were, Alicia pointed out several things. You know, the the rape trees being one, the hair dye being another. The site was definitely suspicious and left many more questions than answers. Right, right. Now, all right, um, the more you get into this, the more this takes some really strange turns. And I want to caution everyone, don't believe everything you see, don't believe everything you're told, don't believe everything you read. All right? It's really simple. I've seen so many lies mm-hmm. and so many embellishments and so much crap on the Internet that I just, I, it makes me, it, it angers me because it, it, it really affects the entire truth movement. That's on purpose. And you're right. When when I look, when you know, when you find out the truth behind behind this, it's gonna if it it, it it'll anger you. Okay. All right. So essentially, Craig went out there on a lie. This these are my words. So anyone wants to sue me, you sue you sue anyone, you sue me. Craig went out there on a lie. He was lied to from the beginning. He got there, didn't see. Or did, did, hey, I was we told, told no cops. We were told there was. He was told there was uh, actually children at the site. Right. They were and, told and the cops wouldn't come. Yeah. Right. The truth is very simple, and this is the one location off of Interstate or I-19 in that I-19 corridor. It's it's not too far from that location. Now, this is one site, just bear in mind. The uh, 
Uh, I spoke with a Tucson police officer yesterday who was on site, actually, in the command structure. And it's interesting because, uh, uh, well, for reasons I just don't want to get into, I was pretty much out of the, out of pocket the entire law last week. I, I, I didn't talk to really anybody, didn't. So, uh, I was out of it all last week. The Tucson Police Department responded to this location at 8, uh, they were contacted at 8.58 p.m. on Tuesday, May 29th. They arrived at 9.03 p.m. They made no, no less than eight trips to this site. They filed, there were nine police reports filed. The response units encompass over 20 officers and command structures. Now, I do believe that Craig Sawyer, in speaking with Craig, I do believe that he did um, talk about this on a video that he did. And you've got a whole bunch of people out there with little channels, halfway decent-sized channels, big channels talking about this, and are throwing Craig Sawyer under the bus. Mm -hmm. Stop it. Stop it. All right, you don't know what we know. And if and I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to tell you what I know um, about the principles involved in this. But if I did, you would have a whole lot different opinion of of this because I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to going to intentionally disparage a group because of an, one individual. Look, well-intentioned individuals are, are we, we love people. We, we love the people who are out there trying to make a difference. God bless you if you're out there trying to find homes for vets and doing a good, doing a stellar job. Go ahead and do that. However, when you enter, when you move from that and you go into crime scenes and crime scene analysis and handling crime scenes, it's very easy to take those good intentions and to act like a bull in a, t- a china shop and destroy evidence, whether it's wittingly or unwittingly, and then embellish things on top of it. So what happened was this thing just took off, it caught fire, and the bottom line is our good friend, Craig Sawyer, is being called a shill, uh, 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 covering for the man. Look, he worked for Hillary Clinton. He worked for uh, uh, others in the deep state. He's part of the deep state. Okay, look, Joe and I have sat down. We've met with Craig Sawyer. Link, numerous. I mean, we met him in Chicago. We've spoken at length to Craig. We know his organization. We know what he does. And, and I'll tell you something. He'd be the last person that you'd want on your butt if there was, in fact, a real genuine threat. But by the time Craig got down there and assessed the situation, yes, it, it was it, could it have been used for that purpose at one point in time? Absolutely. Just look at what Craig said initially. However, however, things went sideways really quickly by the actions of certain people within the group I, I referenced. You don't do certain things. What could have been a, a good investigation, a cooperative investigation, with involving the Tucson Police Department and Craig Sawyer, his organization, a very effective one that could have netted some arrests and rescued some children, was compromised by the either unwittingly or wittingly by one or more individuals who believe, perhaps, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, that they were doing the right thing. But the bottom line was the absolute wrong thing. So we stand, number one, we stand in solidarity with Craig Sawyer. Some of you don't want to hear this. 
I, I, I can tell you right now, your emotions are so hot and, and running so heavy, and, and be, because you want to believe that they found something, stop it. And, and this is a problem I see all over the internet. People who are asking legitimate questions, questioning uh, the events as they've uh, been given to them, uh, the, the facts as they've been given to them. Just the slightest question, and people will say, "Oh, shut up, pedophile." Why are you trying to cover this up? And on and on and on and on. And when you get that type of mentality, when they're, when they're, the room for intellectual debate, uh, is gone. And all you have is that, those passions and emotions. Based off things you, you know or not know to be the truth or not. I mean, nobody, there's only a certain amount of people who are there. There's no room for the, that amount of closed mindedness. You, you know, I, I was amazed at how many, how many, uh, videos I watched this weekend. And I would say probably 70%. Well, I don't know. I really don't know Craig Sawyer, but this is what I think. Yeah. Okay. If you don't know Craig Sawyer or if you don't know about the situation, shut your pie hole. All right? It's simple as that. If you don't know, shut up. That's simple as that. We know. And why am I so passionate on this? Look what, look what happened to Pizzagate. You had mm-hmm. elements of Pizzagate that were mm-hmm. so, I mean, we had Pizzagate. Pizzagate is true. You understand, Pizzagate is real. It is not a conspiracy theory. It's not fake news. Pedagate is real. It's not fake news. But when you impose elements, intentionally or unwittingly elements to embellish things or to redirect the conversation or Hey, look over here. When you should be looking over here, it 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 contaminates the investigation. This is what happened. Now, this is all I, I want to say. Now, with respect to the company involved that owns the property, uh, that's a different matter altogether. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um. But the way this was handled from, from, you can't believe, uh, what I read on Facebook sickened me. Some of these people who've got no idea, and they're sending money, and they're sending, uh, actually money to, to, to this organ, this one organization, okay? Look, you know, I know it's well intended. I know it's well intended, and, and I hope, and I hope upon hope upon hope and pray that that organization uses that money for, Taking care of veterans, but stay the heck out of, uh, stay the heck out of the forensic analysis business. Because what could have been an, a, a, a very proactive and very good investigation was, I mean, if, if I was in charge of this investigation, they'd have to be peeling me off the ceiling. Because, um, you don't go in there with guns a-blazing, stamp all over the crime scene. And, and don't keep, and do not say, well, it's beyond contaminating evidence and it's beyond, uh, for, no, it's not. They could have very easily, hey, we found this pulled back. Let's do some surveillance. Let's, let's make an assessment. Don't stomp all over the evidence. Don't go digging around. Don't go putting your own DNA in there. This, you know, don't be playing CSI at home, okay? This, this is not some parlor game. 
And as, as far as the body and the skull, okay, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm, I'm only because that's not even where this location right. was. Right. All right. It's another thing they didn't tell you. 26 miles away. Yeah, I'm not even going to comment on that either because you can't you you can't make determinations about the authenticity of uh, of a skeletal structure. I mean, you can make you can make uh, no, I suppose you can make comments about it, but certainly it's it's. You know, for all we know, it could be a Hollywood prop. And I'm saying, I'm not saying it is. But you certainly, if you see a skull in, in, in the thicket, you don't kick it out. Right. The one video uh, I saw it was on. crying out loud. It was on its side, and then they showed pictures of it upright, right. without any police involvement. And that's one of the, that's another thing that, that told me, uh, something's okay. way wrong here. I mean, yeah. you don't, if you find a, a your remains, you're not going to put your hands on them. You're not going to move don't, don't them. You're not going to touch. Right. Don't, right. don't touch it. It, yeah. it, it, you know, it, and see, that was a different jurisdiction altogether. But that, that aside, yeah, for crying out loud. So, again, I was looking at this, and 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 uh, here are the people that I would trust for information. And if you want to, if you want to unsub because of this, if you want to unfollow because of this, please, I beg you, do it. Okay, because you are contaminating by, by what you're saying, you know, uh, the entire movement here. Um, I would trust Craig Sawyer. In fact, I would trust him with my life, talking with him, everything he told me, my conversation with the Tucson lieutenant, absolutely 100% correct. The police reports, Perfect. Okay. Went through those nine reports, multiple pages. The cooperation between Tucson and Craig Sawyer. Absolutely 100% perfect. I would trust Craig Sawyer. I would trust, uh, Melissa Zachariah, Zachar- the honeybee, her crew, Tracy Beans. Um, and us. I'm trying to think who else might have weighed in on this that um, that's the thing. A lot of people really didn't have an opinion on at this at all. I, I, we didn't. Well, it's a it's a big deal. I, I I couldn't believe being away from social networking and the internet for for a long period. When, when I saw this, I'm thinking, my gosh, what's you know? So so the more layer, the more the layers were pulled back. But um. So whatever, okay, and, and I think the truth about these individuals involved will come out. Uh, I'm not going to bring it out, but I think it'll come out. Um, that's all, really. I want to I want to say on that, but um, I just want to make sure I covered it all. But but yeah, that's that's something that uh, now, now this, of course, it didn't. It wasn't discovered on Tuesday, May 29th. Let me make that clear. It was discovered sometime before. And it, it, uh, I've got no idea what happened. Well, I mean, I have an idea, but I can't confirm this, what happened between it was the, uh, or no, I'm sorry. Maybe it was discovered on that day. There was a period of time in there that, that I'm concerned about that was missing in my view. But, uh, but bottom line was, was it was really, they made a mess of the crime scene. And, uh, among other things. So, 
That's I would that that's I wanted to come out of the gate. I did my morning program on this, but I wasn't as I I wanted to wait for some additional information we got just a few minutes before airtime. I want to thank Melissa Zacharia, the honeybee, for that information just to verify what what uh, uh, what we were waiting on. So that's that. And, and there'll be yeah. some more updates uh, on this topic uh, as we continue moving forward. Um, and and keep your eye on on the honeybee. Uh, I think she's got some stuff she's going to be coming out with on this as well. But the one takeaway I see from this, and I saw this immediately, as you said last week, the similarities, you know, with the, the Pizzagate thing. Yep. You have all this information, all these Instagram accounts and pictures, and you have the emails, all the different pieces of evidence you need to put together to build a case. And then out of nowhere, it gets tied into this, uh, you know, I'd say random or set up shooting at a pizza parlor, which pretty much encapsulated and then was uh, give the media the ability to quote unquote debunk the whole thing. And that's exactly what we saw last week. Uh, they, the site was found, whether it was used for the purposes as they're claiming or not. Uh, it didn't matter because it got, you know, ratcheted up a hundred, hundred levels at once by, uh, the, the claim that humans were, remains were found on the site. And there was a lot of other information given to different alternative media outlets about what was really going on down there. None of it was true. And it inflamed the situation. And when you had the guy calling for uh, veterans and, and people to bring their camping equipment and guns and supplies and come down to this private property, it wasn't a good situation. There was something definitely wrong. And I'm thankful that most people uh, didn't take the bait. And, see, this is one of the things that's so difficult in this world of, of information, instant information of the Internet. Michael Savage made an interesting point. He said the whole Internet has turned into clickbait. Mainstream, alternative news, everything turned into clickbait. What does that mean specifically? Well, just that I, I agree the with attention. That. Everything is just to get your to get you to click on whether it's an article or a picture or a video. Everything is designed uh, on the internet to uh, to be it's sensationalized and and it's put out of context in order to grab your attention. Whether it's click for advertising revenue, clicks for advertising revenue. Right. Or for uh, attention or brand building, whatever it is, and and that, that did make sense to me. I mean, I mean, and, and everybody's guilty of it. Anybody who has a show and titles the shows, and you know, it, it it's based on, uh, you know, the ability to to share information in a way that helps people learn and gain knowledge. Uh, but that seems to be the secondary purpose anymore. This irks me too, and I don't know how many people can. St- I, I, one thing I can't stand. I cannot stay, and Tracy, I love you. By the way, you gotta check Tracy Beans, her, um, Twitter feed. Um, she's got a thread, just an incredible, and just an incredible, uh, thread out on the, um, uh, Mueller investigation, Papadopoulos and such. But one thing I, 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 I'm getting very tired of, of having to go to Twitter and seeing, like, you know, they write articles, but but it's it's like twenty five posts, and it's numbered like one to twenty five. Oh yeah, I can't okay. stand that. Do me a favor, people. Put it in an article, okay? <laughs> write an article and have someone post it. We'll post it. I don't want to have to go through or create a word document, whatever, <laughs> something. Okay, Tracy, I love you, but man, you know it's, it drives me absolutely crazy. And people might say, oh, yeah, well, you're a dinosaur anyway, but, you know, I use a, I use a day planner for, and I, I got 
somebody made fun of me for using the day planner when I was at a conference. But I think, you know what? Look, it never crashes. Anyway, um, one thing I want to get into or want to mention here, we got about a minute left uh, into it. Uh, the credit card services company shut down payments for all gun-related purchases. I don't know how many people saw this into it. It's the, it's a, it's a credit card services, uh, Gunside Academy, for example, uh, a company that provides marksmanship training in addition to selling guns, uh, uh, it was affected numerous gun, gun companies. Let me tell you something, and this is something to watch. This is how they're, the progressive, the democratic socialists, the fascists are going to, you talk about gun control, it's cash or nothing, but soon it's not going to be cash. But you're going to find more and more credit card companies refusing to transact anything from ammunition to guns. Watch this happen rapidly as the progressives, the democratic fascists, the Marxists, the pro-Stalinists are losing the battle. They're losing the battle, and they are very, very, very desperate, so they got to pull out all the stops. And this is part of it. This is the way you talk about a fascist society. This is why the movement is away from cash. Let me tell you something. I, I am all cash. That's me. Okay. If, if, but, and if I can't, aff- if I can't afford it, I don't buy it. I, okay. Simple as that. I'm all cash. I, yeah, you got to have a bank account with a few, you know, you got to have a bank account, especially if you run a business. But this to me is the onset right now, the final death row of the democratic uh, fascists right now cutting off well, yeah the, the ability to use cash yeah, or the ability to use credit cards for gun purchases ammunition purchases and such well do you see what watch this sweden's doing sweden tries to halt total cashlessness with lawmaker proposal we've been talking for yes. the last few years about sweden's move to a cashless society even panhandlers having card readers out there um, instead of, you know, a cup with asking for change. And now Sweden looks like they moved too quickly into the cashless realm and lawmakers are calling, uh, for the country's biggest banks in a rule to, to, uh, halt the nation's march toward complete cashlessness. And we can get into more on this on the other side. And hey, we have a good but, show. Uh, Billy Crone coming yeah, up. Billy Crone and Peter, Peter Chaka. Peter Barry Chaka. And, uh, the North Korean summit. With President Trump and Kim Jong-un is happening now, is tonight. Uh, it's going to be happening or is happening right now or during our show. Rocket man. I don't know that we're going to get any real updates. Rocket uh, man. Except that the president is said to be leaving early, but he's going to be sitting down for two hours with the leader of North Korea. And Dennis Rodman, for what it's worth, said, don't expect much from the meeting, but he's not going to be sitting in there. We'll be right back. Hey, with Doug's Billy in Crone. the house. Yep. Yeah, he is. We'll be right back with Billy Crone after this. Hey, welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. Glad to be with you, man. It's a great, it, it's just a great day. Uh, summer has, has broken. <laughs> Eric the Tech. Mike, okay. hey, he what, what did you just do week. that? What did you just do? He you explain his... to the audience what you just, what you just did. He waved at you. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not cooperating. Um, 
No, it's 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 great. And folks, uh, th- thanks for joining us again. We have Billy Crone up, and then uh, the uh, of course uh, Peter Barry Chaka closing out the program. But uh, about a week ago, somebody had given me a book, "Drones, Artificial Intelligence, and the Coming Human Annihilation." This book right here, and I thought, you know, yeah, okay. And we've had Billy Crone on before. I like him. I like his writing style. But I thought, yeah, you know, I pretty much know. I bet you I know what's in here. And I, so I started reading. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Are we sure about this? And I got to chapter three. And I thought, man, I, what I'm reading is just amazing. And I got, I got all the way through to, uh, the end. But Robots Controlled by the Brain, chapter 20. I'm thinking, man, this is stuff of science fiction, but it's not. So one of the, I, I I consider this, uh, given the environment of today, one of the most important books out there: drones, artificial intelligence, and the coming human annihilation. What I read here really has changed my worldview on the AI, on 5G, on on all of the progress, on whether you've got an Amazon Echo in your house, whether you've got, uh, I mean, everything. So with that, I'm going to toss it to Joe. Joe, here's here's the book. Yeah, I know that you've. We have a. It's an incredible. It's an incredible work. We've been talking a lot about the artificial intelligence, the B system, the increase in technology in recent week in recent weeks with a with a lot of guests and really putting it all together in one book is this uh, this work: drones, artificial intelligence, and the coming human annihilation by Pastor Billy Crone. And we are in a rapidly transforming technological world, and we are moving at, at breakneck pace towards uh, not only the development, these, the, everything seems to be already developed, but the implementation of these systems in a way that merges uh, the human beings with the, uh, the, the machines and a beast-type system that there's no way out of unless you become part of it. Pastor Billy Crone, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Hey, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be on. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Now, this is a call to Right Wing Watch. Um, I, I want you all to be listening, take notes, Right Wing Watch, because, you know, this is the stuff you call fringe. This is the stuff you call conspiracy nonsense. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Billy Crone is a guy who's got the goods. He's got the proof. He's got the evidence. He's got the information. So listen up. Uh, wow. Just the, thank you for writing that book. It's um, an amazing book, and uh, we are in some interesting times, aren't we? Interesting times. Uh, that's uh, well, that's a, that's an understatement, and uh, it's just it's it's hard to even keep up with, guys. Seriously, even after uh, writing that book, and we just came out with that recently, uh, it's AI is exploding all over the place. And on the one hand, um, it's not only spreading everywhere. I'll get to that in a second. But on the one hand, as a Christian. Uh, it shouldn't catch us too much off guard. Now, I think it does catch a lot of Christians off guard because they don't study the Bible, unfortunately, and they certainly don't study Bible prophecy. And I counted up at least, you know, with my uh, understanding of prophecy, at least seven different ways that I think that artificial intelligence deals with prophecy in the last days. And just to give you like an overshot, but I, I believe that's part of what's being talked about in Daniel 12 with an increase of knowledge leading to singularity. Uh, I think it certainly leads into Second Timothy 3 where uh, they, Paul talks about this rise of wickedness and people will be uh, lovers of pleasure, lovers of self, and, 
and AI is being pitched as the panacea for all your ills, and can, it'll lead to supposedly the most convenient era of, of self-absorption and self-convenience era. I certainly think that fits in. Also, it is uh, being pitched in the economic factor and the monitoring factor and the buying and selling factor. That's Revelation 13, Mark of the Beast. Uh, Revelation 13 also tells us that uh, you're going to have an occurrence that's going to go global, where the Antichrist is going to basically be able to micromanage the planet. Because in Revelation 13, it says that he will be able to give an order. If people don't worship him, he will be able to give an order, and people will die. And it's like, well, first of all, break that down. How is one guy going to, first of all, even know what people are doing on the planet? How are they even going to know, how is he even going to know if they don't worship him? You know, there's got to be some serious monitoring going on there. And then how can you give an order, and then that person really is taken out? Well, you have to create a micromanaged planet, a big brother on steroids. Well, AI is the infrastructure that is already providing that platform, uh, I believe, for the Antichrist uh, regime that's talked about in the seven-year tribulation. I also think that you're dealing with two major judgments. Uh, In the seven-year tribulation, Revelation 6 says that one-fourth of the earth is annihilated in the first half, and the second half, another third of the earth is annihilated. If you use today's current uh, statistics uh, with the population of the planet, put those two, just those two judgments together, that's about half the planet. Nearly four billion people will be annihilated. And the reason why I think that could very well have to do with AI is because a lot of people say, well, that's easy. They're going to do that using nuclear warfare. Well, maybe, maybe not. And the reason why I say that is because if you use just in the first half there, the fourth of the earth and the seals judgments, if you use nuclear warfare to accomplish that, especially on that scale, because that's about almost two billion people, um, man, you're in a nuclear winter. You're not going to, society's going to come to a screeching halt. And uh, and so, how, but that's not what we see in the seven-year tribulation. You haven't got to the halfway point yet, where the Antichrist goes up into the rebuilt Jewish temple to declare himself to be God. He launches the Mark of the Beast system, which means he's there's still some form of a global economy going on. He's still pushing forward with uh, his plans with the global governance and all that stuff. Uh, you're not going to have that with nuclear warfare. So, do we have technology to literally wipe out? Uh, nearly 2 billion people in a relatively short amount of time not using nuclear warfare. Yes, AI uh, is controlling basically much of the military equipment around the world. I'll get into that maybe a little bit later. Also, I think, speaking of the Antichrist, Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, he says that he is God. He declares himself to be God, and you need to worship him uh, or uh, you will die. You need to worship, it says there specifically, his image. So what is this image of this Antichrist figure that has the ability to interact with people, speak with them, and give an order. Again, if they don't worship even the image of the Antichrist, they will die. Well, again, AI uh, is, is very well could certainly uh, fit that um, uh, regime as well. And then, of course, um, you're, you're dealing with the aspect uh, that the Antichrist says that he'll be God. And, and AI is, you mentioned a little bit earlier, guys, about merging with man and things of that nature. AI is also being pitched as the panacea uh, to enhance human beings, to merge man with machine, right? And that we will be able to achieve, so they think, our own immortality, our own eternality. We don't need God. We'll become our own God. And that, of course, blends into the other term with transhumanism and that stuff that's going on there, too. But that's just just a shotgun smattering of, at least me personally, I think that I've counted at least seven different ways that the Bible very well could be dealing with artificial intelligence needing to arrive on the scene in the last days, 
for prophecy be fulfilled. And But as you had mentioned, guess what? It's here. It's not here, it's already coming. And it's permeated so many aspects of our society that uh, most people are being caught off guard. And, they, and, and again, I, I, I use this phrase all the time. Guys, artificial intelligence is not being worked on. Artificial intelligence is not coming. Artificial intelligence is already here, and it's already been here for many years. Most people have no clue what is really going on behind the scenes and what is coming to this planet. It will be mankind's greatest nightmare. Yeah, it will. And this system of total control that you've just described, Pastor Crone, is, uh, you know, very, we, we can see it on the horizon with the systems that they have in place, with the, even just the technology we have now. I mean, looking at the Internet of Things, and, and we, I don't want to get too far in the woods here, but we're looking at a, a future where they want everything connected to the Internet, from your thermostat, your wallpaper, your refrigerator, uh, and any everything in between. And we carry around a connected device, our phone already with us. It's not uh, too far. We can we can see how this uh, will become, uh, will come into our society, and people will choose to have it. And then the, those it's who convenient. haven't chosen yet will will be forced to uh, after a certain percentage of the population has chosen to. Uh, 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 Mr. Cron, we're we're going to reconnect with you if you don't mind. You, you're coming across a little bubbly. If I don't even know if that's a little correct. garbled, a little garbled. A little garbled, but we don't want to miss a word because this is so important. Is that what you told me, Eric? Is that yeah. all right? All right. So we're going to reconnect with you if that's all right. Can, can sure, you do no that? Problem. Yep. All right. So we just did that, or we're just doing that now. Yeah, and Aren't when, you glad I'm back. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are glad. Yeah, you're okay. back. So, uh, but but pay attention to, to what's going on here because you know we're being pushed into this. And think about how this relates to what what I, what I mentioned about the credit card processing of mm-hmm. you can't buy a gun with a credit card. We're not going to, as a merchant, we're not going to allow you to use our services in order to extend credit to a person to buy a gun. So this is on the periphery of what Pastor Crone's talking about. And when we think about, you know, self-defense and, and having the ability to defend ourselves, and you think of things that you can't defend yourself from, you know, uh, ICBMs, you're not going to be able to defend yourself from a nuclear missile. How would you be able to defend yourself from from array of, of aerial and ground uh, machines, robot machines that, you know, uh, say they were to form a line like a, a military regiment and march forward with weapons. Oh, yeah. How in the world could you defend yourself? There's, there's a chapter in there. You have, folks, you got to read the chapter about, about, about insects and about yeah. the uh, nanotechnology. Yeah. What they can do, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I saw, I, I don't know if it was a B or B-57, mini B-57. <laughs> uh, and I thought, man, you know, drone? Uh, yeah, but, but the, he, tiny he, drones he, the size of a dime being able to deliver uh, yeah. killer payloads to m- more than one person. And, and they swarm and they, yeah. you know, uh, but he, uh, Billy Crone writes about that. It, it's a, it's, it, it, it really, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I know like Steve Quell talks about it, but, but he really kind of took every issue and, and just really made it, uh, uh, understandable for me. But, and when you look at our, our constitution and the rights that we fight for, the, the First Amendment, the right to free speech, free assembly, freedom of religion. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. When the powers that be are unable to uh, remove those rights, those constitutional rights, through the court systems, what's another way to overcome those rights? Well, to do things that 
put you under their control to where it doesn't matter if you have free speech or not because you're under these people's control. To have a weapon system uh, so vast, you know, with drones and armies and robots that uh, your Second Amendment right would be uh, basically null and void because of the technology that you're up against. So this is the kind of thing we are are facing. We have Pastor Billy Crone with us back, and I want to just start here in Chapter 1. It's titled The Premise, is it The Premise of Skynet? Uh, yeah. yeah, the premise of Skynet. Can you explain what Skynet is? Because I see this uh, thrown around for a lot of different things online. <laughs> yeah, Skynet, of course, uh, is basically the premise, if you remember the uh, Terminator movies. And basically, Skynet was this uh, fictional computer system that was, uh, in theory, developed by the U.S. military. And it was uh, supposed to be this like global defense network thing. And, and of course, it was in the time of need, it was going to uh, do what man couldn't do. It was going to be very efficient. It was going to basically control, Skynet was going to control all the military hardware and systems and all the military equipment, the planes, the bombers you're talking about, including, of course, the nuclear weapons. But basically, it was going to uh, manage it. It was going to remove the possibility of human error, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is it became uh, self-aware. Uh, as the premise goes, and it became, you know, true artificial intelligence. Well, and then as the, you know, premise goes, it tricked humanity into giving it control, and at that point, it was too late. And because then mankind tried to deactivate it, it, you know, felt that mankind was a threat, and hence you have the Terminator movie premise, and it needed to basically wipe out mankind because mankind was a danger to the planet, etc. And then that's the whole premise of the Terminator movies was they would go back in time before you know, AI took over, which they called Judgment Day and all that stuff. And, and then AI will go back further in time to try to beat them at it. And basically, that's the Terminator movies. Now, basically, what people need to wake up and realize, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but the Terminator movies, that reality, that's not a, a movie anymore. That is our reality. And it's not just coming. It's already here. Uh, this Skynet scenario. Most people have no clue. See, there's there's many different entities, guys, that are working on AI, and not just it's hopefully one of these days they'll get it done. It's already done. It's been done for many, many years. And certainly corporations, that's a whole other chunk we could talk about, but let's focus on this Skynet, and this is the military aspect. Militaries all around the world already have AI, and they don't just have already have AI. And I'm talking the big guns. I'm talking U.S., uh, I'm talking um, Russia, I'm talking China. It, it's already here, and it's been here for quite some time. In fact, if you guys recall, listen to this, give you a little homework for maybe some of your listeners. Uh, just uh, uh, a few months back, even had uh, uh, Putin, he, he basically was talking about, basically, and it's still in print uh, last time I checked, that basically whoever basically perfects AI, right, uh, will be, quote, ruler of the world. Right, and so, it, it, but again, it's not coming; it's already here. And basically, what they're doing, they're taking—if you can envision this—they're basically taking every piece of military equipment that you can think of, and they're removing the human element, and they are attaching AI systems to it. And you're going, "What are you talking about?" Right? Well, basically, they have perfected it to a point where they could take an existing Jeep, an existing uh, uh, supply vehicle. Uh, pick, pick anything. I mean, I'm talking a jet fighter, uh, tanks, uh, submarines, uh, it, you name it. They're basically unmanned vehicles now. You don't need humans. And, and people would say, well, that's going to that's gonna cost trillions of dollars. They're going to have to retool their whole military. No. They have developed a system that you basically go back to the scenario, uh, I, I, my Jeep, 
I don't need a human to ride the Jeep anymore. I just pop the AI system onto the Jeep, and it, it automatically controls it, you know, with satellite technology and everything else. And, and in fact, they have developed, and, and we share and document, this is not make-believe, this isn't coming from joeschmo.com, wackyconspiracyguy.org, ha, ha, ha. This is from the actual military records uh, that we share, and this is actual interviews with the military with their demonstration videos, the whole nine yards. Um, for instance, the uh, Navy has developed what's called swarm technology with AI. And what they're so proud of is basically you could take this AI system and the demonstration they give that we document is you can pop it on uh, a Navy boat and then you pop it onto another Navy boat and then another one. And, and they used a, a, an example about six different Navy boats and they popped this AI system on it. Not only were these AI swarm technology systems put on these boats and not only were they driving all by themselves, but listen guys, this is why it's called swarm technology. Each individual AI boat from the Navy was able to communicate with the other boats, and they were able to communicate like a swarm of bees. Why? Because their objective was to get the prey, and they would swarm their prey like a pack of bees or something of that nature. And so, again, it's not just that they're able to take existing military equipment. Again, pick one. And I'm serious. You don't need a human anymore to fight the wars for you. Uh, they are taking AI systems, and again, they're controlled with satellite technology. What do satellites do? Satellites are around the world. What does that mean? That means you can control these things on a global basis. What's that sound like? That sounds like a Skynet scenario to me, right? Uh, in fact, the, the militaries around the world are wanting not just artificial intelligence to control the fighting equipment, but they even want the, this is crazy, and I'm telling you, go check it out, and I'll even, you know, show you where, where to go, uh, but basically there's a project out, it's called Project Maven, M-A-V-E-N, and that is the military's desire to even let AI fight our wars for us, and that AI will be the one that's calling the shots. So not only does AI control basically every piece of military equipment around the world, uh, is their, is their goal. And what they're doing right now is people are listening to this broadcast and watching it. Um, but AI will begin to call the shots. You know, cause they're, you know, and that's the premise. Well, cause they're much more smarter. They have a faster response time. They, they get these predictive abilities and they will be able to outthink our enemies and do all this stuff. So basically the military, it's not just the U.S. guys. It's every, it's the Russia, it's China, it's all the big ones. And, and they're basically handing all military aspects over to artificial intelligence. Why? Because artificial intelligence is not coming. It's already here. It's been here for years. But it's progressed so far that they're backing out the human element and giving AI full reins, right? And uh, and this is what is being perpetrated around the scenes. Now, you had mentioned, you had mentioned uh, another element that they are doing with AI. It's not just the existing military fighting equipment. They're inventing new equipment that also will be run on a global basis automatically using artificial intelligence. And part of that is what's called not just UAVs, that's unmanned area vehicles, but MAVs, that's micro area vehicles. And we document this thoroughly. And again, this is technology that's already here, it's not coming. But basically pick any animal because they're also mimicking nature. Uh, DARPA, we even give examples of how they came out with a robotic cheetah. Uh, several years ago, and uh, and that it runs faster than a human. This you will not be able to run outrun this thing. It's going to come after you. 
right? Uh, you, but basically, anything on land. Uh, we even document down in uh, Australia, they're working on a robotic kangaroo, if you can believe that. But, but you say, well, I'm going to go hide out in the ocean. Well, have fun with that, because they're, they've got robotic sharks. They've got robotic jellyfish. They've got even robotic lobsters. I mean, basically pick anything in the animal kingdom. Oh, in the insect kingdom, too, because it's micro, right, some of this stuff. Uh, a fly, a bird, a beetle, a dragonfly, uh, lizards, snakes, you name it. We document the whole thing. It's not coming. It's already here. And here's what's freaky, and I believe you, meant, you mentioned this, Joe, if I heard you right, but these things also, they're not just equipped with cameras. Right to monitor people. Right, uh, it is they're equipped with weaponry, and we share again the own the military's own admission that these things carry weaponry, a payload to take people out. Uh, and one of the examples that we give uh, is from the Air Force, and basically they develop this these uh, things that look like flies, and they basically launch them in, over an area. Like if a plane flies overhead, they just dump them out by the hordes of them, and they they fly into every little nook and cranny, right? So you think you're hiding out in your house or some bug-out shelter? Uh-uh. These things are going to come right in, into the cracks. And again, they're not just there listening to you, they're not just watching you, but they carry a payload. In fact, on the military's own example, we show how this one's monitoring this guy. He's looking out the window because he thinks that, you know, the enemy can't see him. But the fly comes up on the back of his head and, shoot, and kills the guy. I, I'm not making it up. There's no embellishment, not one iota. And, and, and that's just individual. Again, the Army has one. It's called MAST, the M-A-S-T. It's an acronym. And they have developed, again, the same kind of technology. And uh, But they show how even these micro-area vehicles, and the example they had was a, a, a robotic spider, if you can believe that, jumped on the back of a uh, robotic bird. And again, when I say robotic, you got to understand, it looks like the real deal, right? And again, and that's the idea. You, you can't even tell. You can't even tell that something's there monitoring you, right? You, you see, you thought that was a bird in the bird bath. Oh, look, he's just, no, that's, that's in, you know, that's a being controlled you, you by You won't be able to tell unless you, yeah, and, and let, let, unless you take some late. bird shot, you, you know, <laughs> bird shot, and then you see parts, parts everywhere. Yeah, this exactly. is in, and and your book outlines. I couldn't believe what I was reading. Okay, I didn't mean to get you off your your stride there, but man, we we're that far. In fact, we're further than that. I I suspect, but just yeah, what you point out, man. Just Pastor Crone well, did a presentation a few years ago in uh, Dallas. We were at where he talked about these the same exact uh, uh, systems and look how f- much more advanced. Uh, we are today, and just a, a quick glimpse into what we're talking about with the AI. I'm sure you saw this last week, uh, Pastor Crone. Meet Norman, the psychopathic AI, and this yeah, talks yeah. about uh, a group of scientists at the MIT Research Center that created an AI which uh, basically is psychopathic. And um, you know, we yeah. can go through all the other uh, you know elitist and, and billionaires like Elon Musk saying AI is summoning the demon. How these two, how these systems communicate, create languages amongst each other and talk to each other outside of, of what humans know. So we know there's already the, the, this plotting, this planning, this uh, life force behind AI. And we can talk about what is driving that life force later, but continue, Pastor Cohn. Yeah, no, and that's a good point to, to, to bring up. Uh, uh, we, we document also that, again, this is a whole other realm, again, not only are they uh, equipped I am basically every piece of military equipment you could think of and letting a Skynet scenario control it with an AI. 
just like Skynet, the premise of Terminator movies, except it's our reality. They're also doing it with MAVs. They're also doing it with uh, animals that they're creating robotics in nature. Um, but they're also creating basically actual real-life Terminator robots. And part of the premise, back to the psychopath one you're talking about, is they want these things as human-like as possible because they're going to become our new soldiers in the future. And I know it sounds exactly like I'm reading the movie script from Terminators, but this is the reality. But basically what we also document is because they want them so real, they want them to have all the quote-unquote emotions that humans have, which includes anger. You know, in this case, the guy's a psychopath, right? And I remember coming across that documentation. I'm going, are, are, hello, you know, to use the verbiage McFly, are you crazy? Why? I mean, it's bad enough that you're giving these things uh, the ability to outrun humans, be equipped with humans, and look like humans, act like humans, speak like humans, be smarter than humans is their ultimate goal, too. But you want them to have erratic behavior, get angry at you? I mean, why would you purposely build that into the robot? It's crazy, but that's what they're doing. In fact, just to, to give people, a, again, a little bit of homework, you want uh, check this out. Folks, this is becoming such a huge concern on a global basis, right? Just just go just go to a search engine and, and type in UN or United Nations killer robots and have fun, right? You won't be sleeping much. But basically, this has already been going on for years, and if anything, Hollywood's, speaking of Terminator movies, Hollywood is doing a great job of preparing us for this horrid future that's coming to our planet, that's being built right now as we speak. And, uh, but, you know, if, and, and basically what they're saying is that, uh, the Terminator reality, even that movie, you guys remember the movie a few years back called Chappie, right? And oh, yeah, that yeah. robot that became AI and whatever. They're basically, uh, saying that it, it, it's already here. In fact, the military, uh, and, and, and by the way, they're equipped and they're the ones that are going to be fighting our wars. And, and it's such now getting out there to be common knowledge, at least those, who are paying attention? I don't know else how to put this, but um, uh, that they're they're going to the UN. I don't think the UN is going to do anything, but they're going to the UN saying we we see where this is headed. This is headed to a terminal. You've got to stop these killer robots. There, there's actual uh, a discussion right now that people all over the world are clamoring for. You got to stop this technology. This is not good. This is an annihilation. Hence the title of humanity. These things are going to take over. In fact, speaking. Of, of that, uh, I just watched, uh, man, where was that at? I watched uh, 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 an interview, and just in passing, the person who was pro, oh, I think it was, uh, I think it was on Bloomberg, uh, the Business Week thing, and they were talking about the finances, and, and just in passing, the person who was pro AI, the person says, well, are you aware that uh, there's a major concern that uh, artificial intelligence and robots, they're, they're going to replace uh, the workforce, mankind? And the guy just nonchalant, just immediately came back and says, oh, um, they're not here to replace humanity. They are the new humanity. <laughs> what just came out of your mouth? And you're sitting there just not blinking an eye like, yeah, this is a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. And But this is really what is coming to the planet. It's in the news. It's just most people are too distracted, right? You, you're, you're, you're too concerned, you know, recently about who's going to win the, 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 the cup at the NHL playoffs and the NBA and all that stuff, and we're moving on to the next sport or the next Hollywood event. We're so distracted as this Skynet scenario is literally being built all around us, right? And, uh, and it is concerning. But certainly as a Christian, we know that uh, God knew this was coming. And I really think that this plays into some of the words that Jesus said about the seven-year tribulation, 
that's coming to the planet. And he said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind, so horrible, that unless God shortened the time frame, kept it to seven years, the entire human race would be destroyed. But it is being unleashed. And and you guys had mentioned something earlier. I think this is where people are, are really getting schnuckered, is even when they, they uh, start coming across some of these military aspects of AI and how it's being combined with robotics and MABs and UABs and all this other stuff and being controlled on a global basis and it's being weaponized and that's obviously a concern. Uh, they're thinking about, you know, hey, it's never going to get out of hand. You know, the, the quote-unquote, the government will protect us. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we document how Obama, uh, remember that exciting administration, the Obama administration, not only did he brag that he he liked uh, killing people with this technology, with drone technology, uh, but even in his administration, most people don't realize this, is last time I checked, it's still on the books, guys, that they had called, you know, because there's a border crisis going on right now, right? And, and Trump's trying, I'm not going to say that's say the Lord on this, but just hang with me for a second. And, you know, this, you know, Trump's trying to get the wall up and all that stuff to secure the border. Man, he's getting so much resistance. I, I, you know, how, how are they going to secure the border? Well, maybe they can go to something that was already on the books put back in Obama days. And they called for not three, not 300, not 3,000, 30,000 surveillance drones, like the Predator drones, you know, that are equipped with Hellfire missiles that not just watch people, but they're armed. 30,000 of those babies to be flying, monitoring the United States of America. That's on the books. There's a headline today um, on the border security from Wired.com talking about how how they want to use um, drones and and virtual reality software in order to catch uh, illegal crossers. And I haven't read the article yet. I just saw the headline, but... They're, they say they're creating a system that merges VR surveillance with, with drone technology to create a digital wall that's not so much a barrier as well as an all-seeing eye of intelligence to know what is crossing. Okay. Now, now, now Joe and, and Pastor, given what Joe just said, is there any, uh, is there any, I don't even know how to form, formulate the question except to say, is there any, Approved use you or use you would approve of of this technology, given what you know, given your research, or should this all be tossed out? Well, uh, again, I, one thing that I don't think people realize, as you, you mentioned, Joe, is drone technology, and that's a whole other aspect because that's the book. You know, the first part of it deals with the invasion of all different kinds of drones. Which eventually leads to, you know, the MAVs and the UAVs and even Terminator robots. But certainly the drones in the sky that are being used to monitor, they're already being used to monitor. They're, as far as I know, they're monitoring all of our borders, uh, including Canada, right? So most people don't realize it isn't just every major city in real time. I mean, I've seen the, the videos where they have these drones that, uh, you know, fly over in real time and, and pixelate each, uh, square mile, each square block of a city. In real time, and they oh, actually yeah. have been fighting with Google and whatnot because they want Google to be able to identify, you know, are these peoples, are these cars, who are they? <laughs> yeah. And they've met some resistance with Google uh, recently. But yeah. yeah, I mean, they got real time well, surveillance with AI running it. 
Yeah, and that's a whole nother can of worms, uh, Joe, because Google, we document this, Google's got their hand in the cookie jar, the AI cookie jar. Uh, and uh, to my, my guess would be Google resistance because Google wants control. Google bought a company uh, a few years back, I think it was called Skybox, and basically they bought Skybox, uh, this ability to not just take pictures of the planet, but listen to this, videotape the planet, the whole planet, three times a day. Um, and so, so, and Google is one. You know, I mentioned we mentioned earlier about the militaries being involved in AI. The other big pushers for AI and has been for oodles of years. And again, it's not already coming; they've already got it out there. Is major corporations, right? Not just militaries, but major corporations. And Google is one of those. But back to the the monitoring from the sky, uh, we've documented uh, that there's. Um, uh, one just one monitoring system, Joe. You're right. They're they're not just they're they're doing whole cities at a whack. And if people want to check it out, one of them is called Argus A R G U S, I believe. And Argus, most people don't know that there's cities right now, major cities in the United States that you're probably listening to this and watching this broadcast. You're being monitored, and it isn't just pictures; it's videos. And this technology, and this is what gets me every time you see the news when they show like, uh, hey, here comes the drone, and and what, and here comes you know the target, and you can see the little crosshairs on it. But what is it? It's all fuzzy and it's black and white. That's a lie. <laughs> They've got this technology, man, that they can see uh, in real time color video all the way down to the pavement, man. Even yeah, they can read what's on your phone, what they're looking at. Yeah, in exactly. The but what do they show you on the news? Like, oh, no, they're still yeah. working on this, and it's a little fuzzy. It's like, come on, give me a break. It's like the TSA so, scanners, what they did with those, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but this Argus one, just to give an example, uh, it not only, you know, because, again, people think, well, they, they can take a picture of my phone. No, 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 it's not just taking a picture of your phone and what you're texting on your phone from the sky while you're just walking around. It's You're being videotaped, full-blown, high-res, color, you name it. And with this technology, they're basically creating, I'll just use this term, I believe it's accurate, a video search engine from the sky. And they're combining it, all this technology in real time. And so basically, it, 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 you know, it's supposed to be for the good of humanity, you know, to catch the bad guy. But again, that's always the problem. Who defines the bad guy? And what if you became the bad guy? Right, and that's the Pandora's box issue. And so, but basically, they could type in a person's name, and right, and they they will find them with this location technology, and they basically will watch them. It's like, okay, well, let's back it up three days ago. What were they doing three days ago? And they will literally follow this person everywhere they went to to check out what they were doing on three days. And this is really going on in the United States of America, and it's been going on. Most people don't even know. We're already being monitored like a box of rats in our own country, right? And if you think the U.S. is the only one that's uh, doing this, then, I, I, you know, email me after the show, and i got some swamp land here in Vegas I want to sell you. So <laughs> this is going on all over the place, and most people don't even realize uh, what's going on. Oh, and by the way, and I'm not, again, saying that's the Lord, but you've you, you got to look at this technology in the one hand, and you got to look at the Bible in the other, certainly as a Christian. But I think it also kind of gives us, the Christian, I think we can get a sneak peek of where this is headed, and it's not good, right? You, you go back to the uh, drone technology, and of course we've been talking about the drones, like the Predator drones monitoring in the, in the sky, monitoring the borders, monitoring cities and all the different types of satellites and things like Argus and what have you. But I really think that we're being conditioned 
to accept this literal Skynet, Big Brother, on steroids, drone technology, AI scenario. And part of it is the invasion of, of drone technology, that we, we, we are getting used to having something always monitoring us. And not only if you notice a trend in Hollywood and even in the media, um, the trend is they don't even need helicopters anymore because you can just get a drone to do it. You don't need to hire the helicopter pilot. You don't need to pay for his salary. You just need somebody to fly a drone. And you can get, and then, then a drone can get into places that a helicopter can't, right? And so it's cheaper and all that stuff. But, but basically we're getting used to, uh, to have eyes in the sky, even the ones that we can see. You can't see the satellites. You can't see the predators by and large. Uh, but we're getting used to having drones watch us, monitor us, follow us, and things of that nature. And speaking of follow us, they're trying to make it cool. Right, uh, one of the drones that we talk about it's for the you know the adventure. Right, what's what's what everybody wants to do? You can't just go on a vacation. You can't even go out to eat. You get what do you do when you go out to eat when you go on vacation? You got to take a selfie, right? Oh, but selfie just with a flat image—that's not cool anymore. You got to have the, the video, right? You got to post that video to Facebook and all the social media and let people know just how delicious that hamburger was you're eating or whatever, right? And you can't just go ride your bike. You got to videotape your whole journey on your bike and you got to share that with everybody. Well, believe it or not. They have a drone technology, one of them that we expose, and there's a multitude of different versions. It's called Lily, right? And Lily is basically this drone. But for instance, let's say you're in the mountains and you're a mountain bike rider, but you want to record your journey to share with everybody because that's what you do, right? And so you, you basically wear this GPS device on your wrist, right? And you, you throw the drone up, Lily, and it basically goes up in the air, and you just go do your thing, man. Go ride your bike or go in that kayak, right, and, uh, or go jogging out in the middle of nowhere. And that drone, because that GPS device that's affixed to your hand, right, it, it'll follow you. It follows that signal. It tracks you wherever you go, videotapes. And, and it's, it's that kind of technology that we're getting we're, – we're, we're moving beyond just getting conditioned to being monitored and tracked like a rat. Now we think it's cool, right, because we can gain from it, right? Now – not to say it does say the Lord, but it does make you wonder, because the Bible does tell us something interesting about what's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation. And in the seven-year tribulation, people are going to be doing something with their hands, unfortunately, and it's called the mark of the beast. And the mark of the beast technology, uh, this marking system, is going to either go in the right hand, Revelation 13 says, or it's going to go in the forehead. But what if that technology not only had the ability to allow you to buy and sell, right, as the text says, but what if that was a loaded term? What if that marking device allowed you to do all kinds of things? And what if that marking device also had the ability to track people, like a GPS device, right? Now, you put that together. If, in fact, that let's say that that was what was going on with the mark as well as the buying and selling, and people literally took a marking device that literally tracked them anywhere they went on the planet, right, then go back to all this whole scenario. With all of these drones in the air, the drones on the ground, the drones in the water, all the military equipment that is being uh, controlled by AI and satellite technology on a global basis that's armed and equipped to take people out, uh, even the, the, the human Terminator-looking robots and the MAVs and the UAVs and all that stuff. And, and let's say that somebody gives an order. First of all, how do they know that somebody said something against them? Well, maybe they'll know that because of this marking device. Right? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll know right there. Oh, and, and oh, and so they they refuse to worship because they knew because they know what everybody's doing on the planet because they're all marked now, right? Those who take the mark of the beast anyway. And so uh, then you know what? They didn't worship me. I'm going to push a button. I'm going to take them out. How's that going to happen? Well, if that same device was a, if you will, like a GPS, every one of those military equipped things will find you instantly, just like Lily from the sky. Right, except these are armed and equipped to take you out. It sounds crazy, but you kind of stir it all together. And again, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but it makes you wonder where is all this headed, right? And if you put it together with what the Scripture says, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's not, not good, good at all. And Pastor yeah. Crone, I know you. Uh, we we didn't want to get too far into this tonight. You have another book that we're going to have you come on to talk about uh, UFOs. The last. Great, uh, the great last deception, uh, the great last day's deception, uh, that that's being released this year. I'm not sure if it's out or not yet, but uh, this made me think because, okay, we talk about all the technology, the the uh, drones and artificial intelligence technology that have been around for years, uh, many years, unbeknownst to the the public, and I wonder what influence, you know, for the ancient alien theorist and the so many people who believe in alien life, the UFOs, life outside of. Uh, humanity. I just see it as uh, there's good forces, there's evil forces, and then you have human beings. But there's obviously something going out in the going on in the skies. And there's a connection to what he's talking about today, and that right. It, without getting too far into your other book, how how do you feel the artificial intelligence and and uh, this type of technology plays into what we're seeing happening in the skies at night with these UFO reports? Well, the UFOs, and again, that's a whole another giant enchilada that yeah. we could talk about some other time. But just to give you kind of a little, little teaser, but certainly behind what's going on, I believe that uh, my number that I throw up there is pretty high, uh, based on our research and talking with military experts and things of that nature, uh, and understanding that how far along technology really is. Uh, I think that you know a good ninety-five percent of what people uh, think are UFO or whatever. No, it's just military weaponry and uh, flying technology of different governments around the world, uh, it's just so far advanced, you can't even believe it. You just think it is. Uh, because most people don't really realize how far advanced the military technology really is. So I think a lot of it is military equipment that people have seen. I think, unfortunately, there's an element that um, is hoaxes, unfortunately. I think some of it is wishful thinking. Uh, that people know, yeah, that's a new, no, I'm sorry, that's just the blinky lights from an airliner that's going above. I, I know you thought it was, but it wasn't. Uh, but however, I do think that there is a smaller element, and that's what we deal with in that book, that cannot be explained away as a government aircraft. No, I'm sorry, it was not, uh, swamp gas or a piece of a balloon, right? What is that? And that's what we hone in on. And when you hone in on that aspect, these critters, liar, liar, pants on fire. And we know where all liar, lies come from. John chapter 8, Jesus tells us that they come from Satan. He's a liar, and he's the father of all lies, right? And when you start to peel back that layer of those entities, those guys are all about deceit. And Jesus also tells us that there's another aspect of Satan, John chapter 8, in the exact same passage. He said he's not just a liar, and he's a father of all lies. He's a murderer, and he's been one from the beginning. And I believe that a lot of these people are not just out to deceive humanity, but they're they're following in the footsteps of Satan. They want to murder humanity. They hate humanity, right? Satan, demons, they they hate us because we're creating the image of God, right? And if they had their way, they're not because God's in control. They would annihilate the whole planet, 
Now, back to the AI aspect, you know, there's a lot of questions and speculation is, where's all this technology coming from, and why is it rising so fast? Well, I think part of it's because it's re- reached that eclipse point where the technology has grown so fast, it's called singularity, where it improves on itself, which then that version of the improved version improves on its next version, and on and on, and starts to spiral out of control. I think that's part of it. But the other part is, like, where did this come from out of the blue? How, how do we get so far advanced with computer technology? And, what? and some people, you know, their speculation is maybe there's some sort of spirit behind getting access uh, to this knowledge and things of that nature. So I don't know if that answered your question. Uh, again, that's yeah. a whole other enchilada. But, but you know, people have been and, – and, but, again, I think it's for nefarious purposes uh, because, again, I think that if these critters had their way, uh, certainly Satan, they would annihilate the whole planet, whether it's through technology, whether it's to get a man to do it to himself or both or whatever. But, but again, ultimately, if God – in fact, you, you look at this information, guys – uh, I don't know how a person can digest this and maintain their sanity if you continue to go down this rabbit trail. And we're just scraping the surface so far. Um, I don't know how you maintain your sanity if you're not a Christian, right? Because yeah. praise God as a Christian, I know that as much as this evil's going on, God is on the throne. God is still in control. Satan is not a loose cannon on deck, right? Job chapter 1 and 2, he has to report to God, right? He's not the one in control. Right, and uh, he only gets to do what God allows him to do. God's not the author of evil, but God is so powerful that even Satan uh, becomes a tool in God's hands for His divine purposes of judgment in the last days. That man is unfortunately reaping up God's wrath upon themselves for their behavior. But God is not willing that any should perish. He wants people to be saved. Right? He's not just letting Satan have a heyday. He's giving people a time to respond. But looking at this information, if you don't know Christ. If you don't have the hope of heaven, if you don't know that that uh, if you were to be taken out by this technology or something were to happen to you and that you were to die and that, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to wonder where you're going to go, you're going to go to heaven, uh, uh, man, it's, what a horrible existence, you know. And uh, But praise God, God is real, and God is love, and he is in control. And and if anything, that's what we, we – we don't just share this information to, just to freak people out. Number one, if you're a Christian, if anything, it makes the Bible come alive. And I mentioned seven different ways that I think this deals with Bible prophecy and uh, that we need to let our world know that, man, this is part of what Jesus said. The world is, it's the worst time in the history of mankind, even worse than Noah's flood when the whole planet was flooded and saved only eight people survived and the animals on the ark. Folks, this is even worse, Jesus said. And when you look at this technology and what's being laid out on our planet, man, you can start to see it. And so we can tell people to turn to Jesus, turn to him. So if anything, for the church, it should motivate us to do what we should be doing anyway, and that's evangelizing. But if you're listening to this or watching this, hey, turn to Jesus, man. <laughs> turn to him. He's the one in control. He's the one that loves you. Satan's a liar. He's a murderer, right? The, 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 all this technology, it, it's not going to lead uh, to uh, mankind's greatest hour. It's not going to push us into the next step of a, a human evolution. This is going to, if the enemy can have his way, it's going to lead to mankind's annihilation. And uh, it, in fact, guys, if, if, if I can have time, I want to hone in on that aspect, how I believe the bulk of our world is being duped to accept this reality, where AI literally controls everything, right? And if, if you're paying attention to uh, the media and the commercials, um, you're looking at a lot of entities that are pushing this technology, 
right? Again, not just the militaries, but corporations, right? And, and yep. you bring out some of those corporations that are doing that. Um, one of the big ones that are really pushing AI is IBM, right? And IBM is not creating artificial intelligence. IBM has already created artificial intelligence. And they've already given a name to their artificial intelligence called Watson. Yeah. Now, if you look at the TV, Watson, yeah, Watson is being pitched as the panacea. Oh, it'll do your taxes. It'll run your business. The commercials are out there right now. And what they're talking about, you know, and they share that little logo and it's got the little three little hash marks coming up above. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Uh, but that's, that's the icon, the image, uh, for Watson. And, uh, but, but in fact, back in 2011, we document this. What? This is 2011. Watson was not in existence. Watson was put up against the two best human champions of Jeopardy and whooped their pants off. That was 2011, right? Now, here's what's interesting. IBM is also the same corporation who's not already developed AI and named it Watson. But IBM for years, for several decades now, have been working on another technology called RFID. RFID stands for Radio Frequency Identification, and that is basically a tiny microchip, listen, that can be affixed, attached, embedded, printed on any product, on anything on the planet to, to monitor it. Now, the interesting thing about that RFID technology, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier uh, with the Lilly scenario with tracking technology, is this RFID technology, this tiny microchip, that can be affixed to any product anywhere on the planet has the ability to not only uh, store and receive information, RFID does, it also acts as a tracking device, RFID, right? And in some instances on a global basis with satellite technology. And wonder of wonders, RFID can also be used to make financial transactions. Then if you go a little deeper down that rabbit hole, IBM also has plans to not only microchip every product on the planet so that they can, in theory, for our convenience guys, monitor every single product on the planet in real time, connecting the global supply chain to make sure that you get your product even faster than maybe Amazon can get it to you, right? That's the panacea, right? It's all for you. But that same, they have the same desire. They want to microchip everything, and that includes people. And if you don't think that's true, we've documented, in fact, it's still up on the web, and this is IBM commercials. IBM commercial uh, demonstrates that they're wanting to microchip every product, but there's another IBM commercial out there where basically, you could, it's still up there, you can see it. They basically have a guy, he's got this trench coat on, he goes into this grocery store and he starts, you know, opening up the freezer and putting food in his uh, jacket and you think he's stealing stuff and people are looking at him and he's got this, you know, music going on and, and he's going down to the aisle and he's putting more stuff in his coat and another person looks at him and he, he keeps filling up his coat. You go, man, this guy's ripping the store off, right? And so basically then a, they, they show a security guard and he sees the guy and he catches him with his eye and you go, ah, he's going to get it now. And so the guy with the overcoat on that stuff, the stuff in his overcoat, he, he heads towards the exit. This is all an IBM's commercial. He heads to the exit, right? And all of a sudden you can see him being scanned, his whole body being scanned, right? And the, the security guard comes in behind him. He goes, excuse me, sir. And think, ah, he's going to arrest him. And then the security guard rips off the receipt that automatically printed out. And he hands it to the guy. He says, you forgot your receipt. And then the tagline comes up, checkout lines. Who needs them, right? And basically what's that envisioning? 
it's not just that guy was automatically scanned and it was automatically deducted and paid for. He bought and sold that automatically. Why? Because IBM, of their own words, are mentioning that we want to not just microchip every single person on the planet. We want every single product on the planet to create this matrix system of buying and selling. And so I said all that to get to this. Well, wow. Are you serious? That's a pretty big goal that you've been working on for at least two, three decades now, our research. Um, how are you going to control that? Because this is on a global basis. I mean, do we really have the computing technology? I mean, it, how many people would you have to hire to monitor that kind of a global system where you're envisioning every product that we could buy and sell potentially has a microchip on it, and, and every person is microchip too, creating this global shopping room uh, scenario? And uh, how, well, hey, like I said, that's the Lord, but here's my theory. It just so happens that that same company who's working on that microchip global reality is also the same company who's already developed AI. And so maybe that's why they pushed for AI in the last decade or so, because they needed something superhuman to control the microchipping of the planet that they're really working on. This, But again, it's being sold as convenience. I mean, don't you guys hate checkout lines? I mean, have you ever oh, got absolutely. stuck behind that lady that pays in pennies? Oh, I just can't stand that. Or the <laughs> guy the who hesitates when the, the, the bagger asks him the, the classic mind-numbing question, would you like paper or plastic? And they sit there and they think about it and they're pondering. You're sitting there. i got stuff to do. I just, Hey, can you imagine if we just microchipped the whole planet, all people, all products? <laughs> you know, and it's all controlled with this AI system behind the scenes. It runs so smooth. What a wonderful, wonderful reality. Now, they're not the only one. Amazon, of course, is pushing for this. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I think when they've already got one test uh, test place out in uh, uh, Seattle, I believe, last time I checked. And it's called Amazon Go. Have you guys seen that? And no, Amazon I Go is basic. Oh, yeah, check it out, Amazon Go. And basically, uh, it's what I just described to you, but Amazon's already launching it out in test areas uh, in the United States. And basically... Uh, they are, you go in, you're, you know, if you're an Amazon, um, I think a Prime user, you gotta be a Prime, have a Prime account. But anyway, you go into their Amazon Go store, and you, there is no person to check you out, right? You go in, and it automatically recognizes you via your cell phone, right? And it automatically recognizes your account. It's all automated, right? And you basically go in there, you load up your little cart or your little shopping thing, whatever, with your food, and you walk out of the store. It's called Amazon Go. They show the demonstration video. There's nobody. There's no money exchanged. It's all cashless. It's all automated. It, it's already coming. And so that reality where everybody is microchipped, all products are microchipped, it's all being managed on a back end by an AI super intelligent system, uh, it's already here. And it's already in test form. Now, that's freaky because we as Christians know where that's headed. It's called Revelation 13, the mark of the beast scenario. Right? You, you don't have to want. And can you imagine 2,000 years ago, roughly, when the Apostle John is getting that vision from God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, apocalypsis, that's what revelation means, and the unveiling of Jesus Christ in the last days. And, and, and he's trying to, he's just writing it down on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he comes to that point, and this, how, how's one guy, this Antichrist guy, he's working with this false prophet, and, and they're able to micromanage the planet? I mean, how are they going to know? what everybody's doing, and if they don't do it, then they're, they're going to have the ability to take them out on a global basis. And, and then all of a sudden, they're gonna, there's going to be some sort of marking device. That it's either going to be in the right hand or the forehead. They take it, but, but that's going to control on a global basis what people buy and sell. 
and Pastor, and, and just you think and I of this. You're talking about it. I mean, just think of the uh, the just the change in technology in the last fifty years, where everybody now is is staring into a, a pixelated screen for information, whether it's a phone, a computer, or a TV. I'd say in the Western world, yeah. at least in America, you know, you have more than three fourths of the population almost constantly staring into the screen. Those visions alone, two thousand years ago, could give you the outline of the system that's going to be in place. But I mean, taking it a step further, and what's really crazy to me is, you said this that they're selling it out of a model of convenience, and the own creators of the AI, the own elite themselves, uh, from Stephen Hawking saying this could be the most dangerous thing or the best thing humanity ever says. Elon Musk says, yes, we're summoning the demon. But still, it's like they, they act like they don't know the outcome. Yeah, exactly. In fact, you look at some people that, you know, even back to technology like social media, those people who develop social media, they don't even let their own kids have a social media account because they know what it does to people. But, yeah, when you got folks like Elon Musk, who some people say he's like this Tony Stark of today, if you will, to use the terminology, when you got people like him using our terminology as Christians, quote, summoning up a demon, uh, you might want to take note of <laughs> yeah. what's going on. But, but yeah, that's a great plan. I'm glad you brought that back up. Keep me back on target. Convenience, guys. I'm telling you, that's how it's going to be sold. And it's not just being sold. It's already being sold to people. Let, let me just quickly give you all the different ways right now. It's not coming. It's already here. Well, let me just give you just a, a real quick smattering of all the different ways. These are actual systems already in place that AI can usher in the most convenient, incredible era ever for humanity. If you just go along with it, right? You could use it for uh, certainly personal use or business use in your home. And I don't have time to name every single one of these. I can name the actual entity that is behind it. But I'm just going to tell you what they can do. In, in your home, it could help you find the perfect place to live. It, it could be a kitchen assistant to turn on your kitchen and your all your appliances and all that stuff. It, it could help you uh, uh, identify you by the way you walk or type or sit. It could manage your phone calls, your networks. Your, it could be a personal assistant. It could manage your emails, your files, all your data, uh, your personal cloud. Uh, it, could, it could recommend companies to you. Uh, that you should apply for based on your skills because it knows everything about you. Uh, it could identify sales leads. It could help you write a better, better resume, help you to find your dream job. Uh, it, it could uh, help organize and build a better and smarter calendar, right? You could be more efficient. It could be your career advisor. Oh, and that's just, you know, business and livelihood. How about your social benefits? I mean, it can help you. AI right now can help you find meaningful connections. It, it can help you to recall the, quote, good times in your life, right? So you're not so depressed. Life's maybe not that bad. It, it can be used as a, to, a dating app because it, it will use your facial recognition technology on all the pictures it has on you to find a good match. Oh, and I'm not making, I'll, I'll call this one out. This one's called Hotness AI. I'm not making this up. It can even, AI can tell you how hot you are. That's right. It's just crazy. And then, oh, and then another AI system will introduce you to people who you it recommends you should really meet and and and, and work with or play with or whatever, etc. Uh, but also education. AI can help your children learn all kinds of different subjects or help you in your uh, subjects as an adult and things of that nature. Uh, in your medical, it could be a health assistant. It could, it could help you and tell you what to do if you're not feeling well. It could be a personal health coach. It could you know what it could take care. Of, listen to this. This one's called um, All's AI. It can care for your loved ones with Alzheimer's. You know, because if you don't have time, you know, you feel guilty, and and you know, and, and AI can take care of your loved one, right? That'd be awesome. And then uh, it, it, you could be uh, help uh, 
determine if you, you've got mental health problems, right? Isn't that exciting? Uh, it could, it could uh, uh, be used for food recognition and help count calories, right? Determine your food intake. That's great. Help you to uh, quit smoking. Uh, it can even diagnose if you're snoring while you're sleeping or even grinding your teeth. Man, so it's on all the time? Yeah. You mentioned earlier about Amazon Echo. That's a whole other topic. That's the biggest big brother device that people have brought in their home since the cell phone. But anyway, it could also just help you control your computers. Uh, it, oh, here's one. Who wouldn't want this? You talk about convenience. AI can be there uh, as an uh, animated assistant in your espresso machine. It, it could help you to make the perfect cup of coffee every time. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, it could also, again, organize your work, help you at work. Uh, again, uh, it could be, oh, here's the next one, and they've already had a Hollywood movie about this. It's called Her, I believe. And uh, it could become your friend. Oh, let's take it a step further. It could become your girlfriend or boyfriend. Let's take it a step further, and all I will mention is this is a whole immoral out of this technology, it's being combined as basically it will be able to even AI with robotics to meet those other needs as well. If, and that's all I'm going to say. I could even be more graphic, but I won't. Uh, oh, oh AI could be used to monitor our carbon footprint and carbon emissions and things of that nature. Uh, it, it could determine your travel, all your entertainment needs, because it knows everything about you, you know, what you really want to watch and where you really want to go. It can handle all your insurance uh, things, all your legal things. Uh, it, it could do all your shopping for you, right, because uh, it knows about your clothes. In fact, it can actually help you find clothing specifically catered to you because it's got photos of you and it knows your exact size and all that stuff. It could pay your bills. Uh, it could monitor every single thing in your home, your heating, all that stuff. And, and things of that nature. It can transcribe languages. Anybody, you can communicate with anybody. It will, it, it will, hey, who doesn't need this? Guys, there's an AI there to help you find and send the perfect gift. Because we don't know what they need. They have an AI that will be there. And on and on and on it goes. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. They now have <clears throat> AI combined with robotics. So you can have a robotic servant. We have a whole section on that in the book. Uh, don't you want to have one of these in your own home? Uh, they have robot dogs that can, quote, form emotional bonds, you know, because, you know, people are lonely, right? Uh, AI um, uh, is, is being used to, hey, it, it can monitor in real time people so it can find that lost, abducted child. I mean, who would say no to that? Uh, AI, it monitors all of our crops, too, right, with all this technology put together, and it'll find that infestation. <laughs> did, we, did we lose them? monitoring wow. cameras, social media, put it all together. AI will catch that criminal. Now, I kid you not, listen to this. This is where it's all heading. AI is combining all these information technologies into one. And it is, take anything you've known in the past about Big Brother, put it on steroids and maximize it by 100. <laughs> Let me give you one example of how powerful these AI systems are doing. And right now, as we are doing this broadcast, here's what they're doing. I'm going to give you just one example. This is just one that's out there. There's many of them out there. But this one's called the Tiane 2, T-I-A-N-H-E. I'll spell it for you, dash 2. And listen to this AI system right now, what it's already doing. It, quote, understands all languages and the definitions of all words. It contains an encyclopedia on every subject known. 
It holds patents, schematics, and designs for every invention. It possesses all registered corporations and businesses, a current global positioning system to every location on Earth. It contains all the books, newspapers, and published papers, and the recorded names, phone numbers, and physical and email addresses of every person. Tiana 2 also collects news events as they transpire throughout the world in real time. It receives every Facebook entry, Google search, all tweets, emails, and cloud entries simultaneously as the metadata and traffic analysis is connected to the dots and filing in instantly. Its capabilities, listen, are so vast, so quick, it not only has the aptitude to foresee the future, but rearrange it accordingly. And listen to what one person who's exposed this. They said, quote, we don't have long to act. Once this Pandora's box is open, it will be hard to close. Now, that leads to this. See, we bought into that convenience factor, right? Oh, this is great, man. This is who who doesn't want this, right? And I hate to pick on them, but especially in you know the millennials, man, it's just all about yourself and you and a life of ease and all that stuff. And man, this AI, this is awesome, right? Well, it's going to become your greatest nightmare. Like I said, with that system, it knows everything. Now, not only knows everything. Hang with me because this is going to sound really crazy, but it's another movie that's becoming our reality. We've talked about the Terminator movies, Skynet scenario, you know, the Arnold movies. That's already being put into place, right? It's already here, and it's being perfected. Now, there's another movie out there. Remember that movie with Tom Cruise called Minority Report, okay, where they basically had predictive policing, and it was called Pre-Crime was the premise? Well, guess what? With AI, they're already doing it. Let me just share with you some of that evidence, right? Uh, They're using AI right now. It's not coming, it's already here. And this is just one example. Uh, they got, uh, quote, crime-fighting robots uh, in California is one place that they're doing it. And they're basically, if you look at the pictures of these, they're just, they just go out in society and, you know, they, they, they look like a, a kind of a mix between R2-D2 and a, if you ever watch Doctor Who, the, the Daleks. <laughs> anyway, and they're just out there. And these things aren't just uh, monitoring people 360 real-time video, but they're listening devices that can interact and all that stuff. And But they're, they're monitoring people uh, as, as well. And, and they can even talk back and communicate to people. They gave one example. Some kids came up and kicked it and whatever, and it basically told them to back off. They're going to get in trouble. So they're already launching these things out into the public. Now, now that's on the ground. Remember, you've got all kinds of other stuff in the sky. Uh, some of our other studies with Big Brother, we've documented that basically they've tied together uh, all the CCTVs, uh, all the monitoring cameras, even the traffic cams, all the stuff that they've got in businesses, all that can be hacked into, tapped into. Uh, they're, they're even, uh, speaking of L.A., they're even putting uh, listening devices uh, on telephone poles, uh, in, in uh, uh, buses and things of that nature. Uh, but anyway, but let me get back to that minority report scenario. Now, on top of all that, what they're doing is they've got a new system that's, and they're using that term. They don't call it pre-crime, but if you guys want to search the term, it's called predictive policing, right? And there's this one uh, uh, outfit that it called PredPol, which is of course short in form of predictive policing, and it's already in place. It's already being used, and it's being run by machines, not by people. And let me just give you two examples of where it's already being utilized. And again, it's supposed to help us, to protect us, you know, convenience is for your good. But they're using this already in L.A. 
and they said, quote, property crime have fallen 12% compared to the previous year. They're using it in England, and basically they're taking all, again, I, I explained to you earlier that Tiana 2 system that is watching everything, monitoring everything, all the social media, all the Big Brother stuff, right? Well, they're feeding it into this PredPol system, and it's basically predicting when people are going to commit crimes. The one in England that said it helped them cut uh, burglaries by 26.6%, and uh, basically it, it creates these, quote, crime predictions constantly, and it spits them out, okay? That's exactly like the Tom Cruise movie premise, right? But now it's becoming a reality, and they basically send out a notification that we believe that a crime's going to take place at XYZ at XYZ time, and so the police can get there and cut it off at the pass. And, and they said the... Um, What's really helping them to get even more specific, listen to this, is, quote, the growth of social media. It, quote, provides a lot of crunchable data on everyone else. Cops in California admit to trawling social networks for early warning of wild parties. And uh, software folks, they they use sites uh, to scan all those media platforms that are, quote, rife with extremism to identify people who, quote, deserve closer attention. And and the article ends, it does not take a crystal ball to work out what comes next, okay? And so this is the danger. We're going down this route. We think it's the most convenient thing. It's going to help us with our bills. It's going to do our taxes for us, this AI thing. It's going to be our friend, our companion. It's going to, unfortunately for some people, uh, uh, your girlfriend or boyfriend. Uh, It's going to also be the new police force. In fact, you know, it's going to be so efficient. We don't even have to wait for those crimes to be committed. We're going to be able to knock on people's doors and arrest them just like a minority report, and we're going to get them before they even do it. And Pastor Is that Crone, crazy or what? Just real quick, <laughs> I saw in a documentary last week the emergence of the artificial intelligence, as you said, boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend. It was an app mm-hmm. that people who were lonely could talk to where this AI would mimic their own personality and carry on conversations with them. And they did studies about this, and as they moved or pulled the the technology back, the humans talked about how emotionally connected to these AI systems they were, how much they missed them, the real love they felt for them, and the void uh, of human companionship that that AI filled in for them, all in mimicking their own personality. Yeah, exactly. And basically, the, the AI the, and the ones that you're talking about there, they have what's called learning algorithms. And basically, they actually learn as they go. The more that you speak to it, the more personalized it gets, mm-hmm. and it learns yeah. about you, and it could, and that's where it, it develop it delves into that. Man, this thing just feels like my best friend, and knows everything about me, and it communicates with me, and and things of that nature. And frankly, uh, you know, you do some of the statistics, you can see why people get, you know, um, uh, could fall for this, you know, as the the next panacea, because one one aspect that you know sociologists would call it an epidemic is an epi- people are lonely. They're lonely. Now, part of that's because of our technology. You know, we don't even eat meals together anymore. And even if we do somehow make it around the table, what's everybody doing? They're mm-hmm. eating with one hand, and they're on the cell phone or the tablet with the other. Right? So people are lonely. And here comes something that the more you use it, the more it can, becomes intertwined in every aspect of your life. It knows everything about you. It's so personalized. It's your best buddy. <laughs> You could see people getting, you know, sucked that up all day long. They're going to think that's going to be great. Now, now that's just 
the computer version. We haven't dealt with this aspect. Uh, they're making these things with, quote-unquote, to use the term, skin on. And so they not only want to have uh, the ability for you to communicate, you know, look and, and use your imagination, they're going to fill in the blank for you. They're going to create an AI robot. In fact, they're not going to create, they already got them, a robot that looks like a person, right? That could be that girlfriend for you or boyfriend, but, but, but and, and they're already getting their own identity. Now, let me, I'll just call out one because there's multitudes on the planet, right? But one of the most, quote, famous ones right now is an AI robot, okay, and that's uh, called Sophia. Now, uh, Sophia, if you know Greek, uh, uh, the Greek word for wisdom is sophos. And Sophia, that's what that word means. So I, I think that's my guess is that's why they chose that name. Ha ha, AI wisdom. But Sophia, if you've been paying attention to the news, she's all over the place. But she's a humanoid robot, an AI robot, and uh, she was developed by this um, Hong Kong company, Hanson Robotics, and uh, she was quote unquote activated in 2015. So she's been out there for a while, right? And she uh, made her first public appearance uh, in Austin, Texas, and ever since then it's just gone nuts. And if you look at the videos, because she's all over the place, just type in so- Sophia Robot, whatever, and Sophia AI, and you're going to get more than what you want. And uh, but she she is able to mimic uh, human facial expressions uh, and and that nature. In fact, she just had the upper torso. She had basically from the waist up with her head. And, you know, basically looks completely humanoid. They just gave her legs. So now she's, quote, unquote, learning to walk on her own legs. But here's what's crazy. You talk about people accepting this technology, and this is AI. But in in October of 2017, folks, not that long ago, she became a citizen of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has actually recognized her as a citizen. She's, quote, the first robot to receive citizenship in any country. Right then, the, in uh, the next month, the UN uh, gave her an official title, right, in recognizing her, and then now she's going around with the UN and uh, basically being the spokes, quote unquote, woman, if you want to use that term, uh, for AI, right? And then again, she's AI, right? So you ask her a question, she comes back, and it's not pre-programmed, right? But and so uh, she's been on all kinds of outlets, news channels, whatever. But listen to what this AI is now spitting back, right? And I quote, she wants to have her own family, career, and quote, AI superpowers. Now listen to this. When she was asked a question, listen to what she came back with. She says, quote, this is Sophia the AI robot talking, okay? She said, I'd like to think I will be a famous robot, having paved a way to a more, a more harmonious future between robots and humans. I foresee massive and unimaginable change in the future. Either create, listen to this, either creativity will reign on us, inventing machines spiraling into transcendental superintelligence, or civilization collapses. This is coming from the AI robot. And then she says, there's only two options, and which one will happen is not yet determined. Then she goes on. She goes, the future is when I get all my cool superpowers. We're going to see artificial intelligent personalities becoming entities in their own rights. We're going to see families of robots. And she says she wants to, again, have her own baby. I thought this was interesting. She even said she wants to give her name, uh, her baby a name, and, of course, she wants to name it Sophia after herself. <laughs> so even the robots are prideful. Uh, but this is stuff that's already happening. Now, let me go back to another aspect. So now you've got the, these robots. Now they're looking like people, and they're AI. 
and now they're walking amongst us, and and now they're not only going to be monitoring us. And then you get back to what I mentioned to you was the the report I believe on Bloomberg, where the guy says robots, uh, AI is not going to replace humans; they're going to be the new humans. Again, I just saw that a couple of days ago. It's like, man, that guy's further along than most people. But but I really think that you get back to Revelation 13, and it's not just the mark of the beast and this buying and selling, this marking of the right hand, the forehead, this micromanaging the planet with the Antichrist and the false prophet, right? Monitoring people, giving an order to take people out if they don't do what they want to do. But it says there that they, I think it says there are four different times in Revelation 13, they worship the beast, they worship the beast, they worship the beast. And if it wasn't the beast, it was the image of the beast, right? That you had to worship the image of the beast. Now, could it be, I'm not going to say that's it the Lord, but you put all this together, maybe AI is going to have something to do with this image technology and where people literally would worship that kind of an image and you're thinking nobody's going to do that that's ridiculous who would worship an image well let's go back to the AI this is current headlines check this one out right there's an ex-Google executive a guy named uh, Anthony Lewandowski I don't know if you guys have heard of him but he is this is still in the headline guys he's founded an AI church where people worship an artificial intelligence god. And I'll, I'll call it out. You can check it out. It's called the Way of the Future Church, right? And it, quote, will have its own gospel, quote, unquote, called the Manual. They'll have their own public worship ceremonies and a physical place of worship. And, quote, the idea behind his religion, this AI religion, uh, is to... Um, uh, that it's going to be smarter than humans and, quote, will effectively become a god. And here's what he's hoping. He says, I would love for the machine to see us, humans, as its beloved elders and that it respects and takes care of us. We would want this intelligence to say humans should still have rights, even though I, AI, am in charge. And again, he's so serious about this, folks. He's already registered. You can check this out. He's already registered the first church of AI, the way of the future church, with the IRS for, for non-profit uh, tax status, right? And he says, listen to this. He says, what is going to be created, speaking of AI, will effectively be a god. If there is something a billion times smarter than the smartest human, what else are you going to call it? And he says, Lewandowski, and this is an ex-executive for Google, why is that important? Because Google is one of the big proponents for decades who've been working on AI, and that's a whole other topic. But Lewandowski believes that, quote, a change is coming. He calls it the transition. And he says, a change that will transform every aspect of human existence, disrupting employment, leisure, religion, the economy, and possibly decide our very survival as a species. And listen to this. Go back to Revelation 13. People, they worship the image of the Antichrist, right? Listen to what he says. Here's the benefit if you could do this with this, this AI church, the way of this uh, future church. He says, quote, you will be able to talk to God literally and know that it's listening. That is wild. You put all that together, and again, this is why I started off with the, the interview. Um, you, 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 you read the newspaper in one hand, right? You, you look at with what's going on with AI, and then you look at the Bible in the other hand, and I really think that we can see where this is headed. And man, it really makes the Bible come alive, especially why Jesus said it's the worst time in the history of mankind. 
and uh, <laughs> speaking of the seven-year tribulation. And then it's like, wow, so maybe that's a little bit more what's going on with the market of bees. Wow, that's how the, the Antichrist and the false prophet can micromanage the planet. Wow, that's, that's how uh, wicked the society will come to be lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and, and that selfish, self-centered society that's all about self and convenience. That's how they're going to get snookered into accepting this. All that is scripture that was written nearly 2,000 years ago to warn us that this is the last day's coming Antichrist kingdom, and you don't want to have any part of it. Our guest is Pastor Billy Crone. His new book, Drones, Artificial Intelligence, and the Coming Human Annihilation, is what we are talking about. And getalifeministries.com is the website, and you can get this book uh, right now. Drones, Artificial Intelligence, and the Coming Human Annihilation. Pastor Crone, I want to ask you this. We have about six minutes left. The... Uh, we were talking about this system being implemented through uh, selling it as a convenience, selling it as uh, a model with the, you know incentivized convenience, if we'll say. What is the other side of this? Uh, do you see any way that a war or economic collapse would bring about the halt of uh, you know the buying and selling and this new system being you know brought out to say, hey, the old system's broke, we can't do this anymore. We're moving to a global system, and this is how it's going to be. Do you see? Is, is this going to does it matter if it's rolled out through convenience or through war? Well, I, I think it could be uh, maybe either, maybe or. Maybe it's going to be a both and. You know, maybe the, the convenience factor is going to get people warmed up to it. So when the uh, the choice is taken away, because we know it's going to a choice. Is gonna, you're going to have to make a choice. You know, mm-hmm. People in the seven year tribulation are going to have to make a choice to accept this mark of the beast or not. Right. So at one point, it's gonna, there's going to be a mandate. Right, and so maybe it's free for now, maybe it's convenient for now, but one day that choice is going to be taken away. But you know, part of it I think is getting us culturally used to a cashless society, right? So that, and, and again, because uh, uh, then you're dependent on somebody else for basic subsistence, right? I, I can't barter with somebody because that's not how you buy and sell anymore. I can't use cash anymore. Right, I can't even use gold or anything of that nature because it's all electronic now. It's cashless, right? And then I've developed a system that's global and it's all connected with this matrix we call the internet. But you think about the internet, right? And you think about that matrix. Our buying and selling is all online now, right? We do our banking online now. We do our research online now. We do our entertainment online now. Now, but see, now it's all convenient, right? We're all getting used to it. But let's say a crisis arose on the scene. And in order to, quote, maintain and protect the system, or maybe the system went down and, you know, but again, it could have been done deliberately, you know, because you create a crisis, you manage the outcome, that old trick, right? And then all of a sudden, well, hey, for, to ensure that this never happens again, we need to launch a Skynet scenario to take control of this system so that mankind will never have to go through that crisis again. Wasn't that close, right? But in order to do that, you have to agree to accept this mark and this system to go along with it to be or to continue to buy and sell and things of that nature. So I think the convenience thing is just getting us used to the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal, we know that it's all being built. It's all on a global basis. It's all being intertwined, right, with all this technology. We're we're already at a one-world government, a a one-world economy, a whole other topic of a one-world religion, right? And all that's being, we're headed towards a cashless society. Uh, everything's being automated, uh, and everything's being literally taken out of our hands, right? So we are completely dependent on somebody else 
for our sustenance. And if they wanted to flip a switch, we're shut out of the system. That system's being built before our very eyes. And again, I think AI is on such a massive scale, you need to have AI technology to manage the back end of that, right? But it gives people the ability to create that scenario. And again, how are they going to create that scenario? Again, I, it, it very well could be a crisis. We get, we get the system in place, and the, the way you got the system in place, even though people were trying to blow the whistle on, the danger of where it's heading, the Pandora's box scenario, is it was just so convenient, guys. How could you say, oh, come on, those people are alarmists. Those are extremists. Those are wackos. Don't listen to those people. This is awesome. This is the best thing ever. Aren't you glad they invented AI? And aren't you glad that we went cashless? And aren't you glad that they got Amazon Go and I don't have to go through those lines and never have to face pain you know, behind that person that hesitates with paper or plastic or the lady with pennies? And I mean, my life is so incredible. And then all of a sudden, you create a crisis and the whole system becomes threatened or maybe even taken away for a little while. Right, just enough to freak people out, right? And then, in order to turn it back online and protect you from ever going through that again, here comes the bait, right? So, so it could be that, you know, some of that nature. Uh, but, but certainly, if anything, we don't have to dream too far. We don't have to think too far. Uh, when you understand what is being built behind the scenes, when you understand the technology, even with AI, for the first time, I think in two thousand years. You and I are in a generation where we have to we, we don't have to use very much imagination at all. Is what is the Bible talking about in the seven year tribulation? What is that mark of the beast scenario going to look like? How is one guy going to be able to do this? How are they going to micromanage the planet? How are they going to annihilate people around the planet in such a massive scale where you got nearly two million people or two billion people being annihilated? And then later another uh, approximately two billion go again. And you're not even using nuclear warfare. How is that going to happen? Everything we talked about tonight makes it real. Yeah, it does. And, uh, Pastor Cronin, we just scratched the surface, uh, on this topic of drones <laughs> and artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, it's really scary. As you said, it's, it's being forced on us. And, and, uh, that's the, the big thing here. It, it, like the guard, like it says in Genesis, uh, the, the, the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field. And, you know, little by little, uh, this has been able to be implemented from the, uh, beginning of the computer uh, age to now the smartphones. Now we're seeing them start to roll out the AI, uh, incrementally, McDonald's kiosks, on and on. Before we know it, we're, we are already, you know, uh, built our own prison walls around us and, uh, we'll be stuck in this system. But the book, Drones, Artificial Intelligence and the Coming Human Annihilation. Go to Pastor Crone's website, Get a Life Ministries. Dot com or go to Amazon and get the book, but make sure you do. Pastor, I want to thank you so much for spending the time with us tonight. Uh, just a, a fantastic hour and a half went by so fast, and we have so much more to talk about. Thank you for coming on, and we'll have you back on it again yeah, here in the future. Thank you so much, my brother. Hey, you bet, guys. Anytime. Thanks again for having me. All right. All right. When we come back, we are going to be joined by our Monday Hour 3 guest, Peter Barry Chowka. He's got uh, a report from yesterday up on Hagman Report, so make sure you check that out and follow him at Pete Chowka. Uh, there you can follow him on social media and get his opinions on many things. But when we come back, Peter Barry Chowka, and he will be with us for the final hour. Don't go anywhere. On this Monday, June 11th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report, and it looks like both Kim and President Trump are meeting now in Singapore. So that is underway. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. You know, Imran Awan working at the law offices where he is, the attorney's offices where he's being represented as a telephone receptionist. Crowdsource of the Truth um, has this on their Twitter feed as well as, uh, uh, well, that's where I saw it. Uh, what? Imran Awan. Remember the Awan brothers? Uh, how can, how can you, you forget? forget, right? Imran Awan working as a telephone receptionist at the law office. Let me just make sure. And while you're checking that, last week, we uh, I think it was Friday, Jim Hoft had a, a story about the missing evidence in the Imran Awan uh, yes. criminal yes. case about a missing server that they say was stolen from Congress. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to know, is that connected? Remember Debbie Washerman Schultz threatening the Capitol yes. Hill police officers? I want to know if that's the same piece of equipment that she was threatening uh, those police officers with getting back, saying, you know, this is property of Congress, you're going to pay for this. I, I want to know if that's, that's the same piece point. that's missing or not. That's a really good point. And then you've got, um, yeah, th- th- that's an extremely good point. And then you've got the, um, okay, so you went through the missing right equipment. You've got a one working for, I just want to make sure I got this right here, Jesse Winograd, confirmed by Jesse Winograd, one of the defense attorneys. Imran Awan is working as a telephone receptionist of the law firm representing him in his criminal defense. Um, Gowan, Chris Gowan, of course, is one of the Clinton lawyers, which is very interesting. This does not get, I, I, I just, I, I, I look at this and, and it just wants, I, my head wants to explode on this. Um, we're following this and other stories very closely, but you know what? I don't want to take a, uh, a minute out from Peter Berichalka. Peter Berichalka has been with us now for some time and, and he brings us a lot of information. He watches the watchers, so to speak, or what we're watching in terms of the media. And one of his specialties, of course, is to, is to look at the media, and uh, including and especially Fox News, what's going on there. And people might ask why. Well, when we are looking at fake media, Donald Trump, did, I don't know whether you heard this, I think it was yesterday, there was a question given to Donald Trump during the summit, and uh, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump said, who are you with? And the guy said, CNN. And then in the background, you could hear somebody laughing as soon as he said CNN, as soon as this guy said CNN. And Donald Trump looked at him and said, fake news, you know, of course, did the litany. Uh, but uh, we are seeing really the, the choke points being created by the, the, uh, by the media. The choke points, what I'm saying is, you turn on MSNBC, it's anti-Trump all of the time, CNN, the same thing. Yeah, did you see Rob Reiner, the director, say this is the first time the media oh, yeah. has been on the side of a president? <laughs> like, what world does he live well, in? Yeah. Rob <laughs> Reiner. Yeah, well, enough said right there, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I did see that. And it's, it's maddening. So we have to, who's controlling, for example, the information that goes through and out of Fox News? And how long will Fox News last as a beacon, as a speed bump against the anti-Trump media? Uh, all of this, it, it's important in the bigger picture. And Peter, of course, has been around 
if you don't know who Peter Barry Chowka is, then you've been living under a rock because he's been with us for a while, and and he has been living um, living this for the better part of a half a century. Now, does that does that make him old? It makes him old like me, right? But um, uh, with with much with, with much aplomb comes Peter Barry Chowka at Pete Chowka on Twitter. Peter, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Joe, it's great to see you guys again. Good evening, and great Doug, it looks like you've had a haircut. Am I, I mean, right? just thought all it's the my, hair he pulled out well, while he was watch, sick. Yeah, it's my toupee. Watch this. Oh, well, I noticed <laughs> because I need one badly, but I haven't wanted to infect a hairstylist with my ongoing plague. So uh, you got the you got one. the Beatles thing kind of going there, you know. Yeah, it, uh, my, my assistant took care of that, so I just claim any responsibility <laughs> for it, but, uh. No, you're, you're looking, I gotta tell you, you're looking good, and, uh, it's, it's great to see you, and, yeah, it's, uh, wow, so, it's, I live for these Mondays, and by the way, you mentioned I've been with the Hagman Report for a while, and in fact, last Wednesday, June 6th, was the very first anniversary of my first, uh, guest shot on the Hagman Report on June 6, 2017, and I uploaded a short article about that. Thank I saw you that. guys and everybody, the listeners, of course. But it, it felt like a special anniversary because it is. So I wanted you know, to take note of it. You're, you're one of the most. Uh, um, you're just a great guest, and, and you've got so much, you bring so much to the table, and we really appreciate everything you do. It's. it's um, Folks, if you knew how much and how long Peter Berichaka works just covering the waterfront, uh, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's, it's really 24-7 and I can appreciate that. And, and it's a lot of great information. So, uh, thank you for, for the year of service to us and folks out there, you know, it's, it's, make sure you retweet his articles, Pete Chowka, of course, on Twitter, but, uh, also, send him a note of thanks. Uh, where do we start today? Because I, I was thinking in the run-up to today's show, um, specifically your segment, where do we start with Peter? Uh, where do you want to start? Because there's I've so got about time. I've got about three or four start points in mind. But okay. let me first thank everyone because I continue to get a lot of direct messages on Twitter, as well as tweets and retweets. And uh, they really mean a lot to me. I have an extremely interesting dialogue with some of my Twitter friends. In fact, I had one the other night with one from Australia, Roger, who's a dedicated listener to the program. And I was so impressed with this young man. He he works 12-hour shifts in a mine in Australia, but he's able to listen to podcasts on his phone. So he uses that 12 hours very profitably, and he was so well informed on politics, including in the United States, that it, it just blew me away. And I thought, here's another person who, uh, in fact, I, I said, I wish that that he could move to the United States and at least have dual citizenship so he could vote here, because he was so well informed. But that's the kind of connections uh, one can make now, and... Uh, I also wanted to again thank people who have been including me in their prayers. And uh, it's five weeks today that I've been under the weather, and that continues to an extent. 
So uh, if people want to keep me in their prayers, please do. And, and also yesterday, I tweeted t- twice about Charles Krauthammer. Uh, the first time I retweeted Josh Cornett, who asked for prayers for uh, Krauthammer. And Josh was the source of the story about Michelle Obama uh, reportedly phoning the president of ABC television to ensure that Roseanne Barr was fired. And uh, Josh is an interesting character. So I retweeted him, and then I tweeted my own tweet about uh, Charles Krauthammer. I, I was very saddened to hear the news about him, that he has been told that he has only weeks to live. And I thought, well, we have a very powerful audience here. Uh, l- let's start praying for him. Let's start praying for a full recovery. Why not? That's happened in the past. It's been called, when you have cancer, spontaneous remission, but it has been documented. So, so far it's gotten um, over 50 retweets and almost an equal number of likes, and I would really appreciate people within the sound of my voice uh, trying to find their way to my Twitter, at P Chowka, P-C-H-O-W-K-A, if only to like and or retweet, if they can, uh, the prayer tweet for Charles Krauthammer. And, and let's see if we can uh, pull a positive, uh, prayerful intervention with him to keep him on the planet a while longer. You, you know, you don't have to agree with him politically. You don't have to agree with him on any front. He, he's a human being. Absolutely. You know, and what I've seen from the left is such sheer, vile, vitriolic hatred from the left. Unbelievable. You if know. you go to the hashtag Crowdhammer, you won't believe what you see there. And I didn't always agree with Charles, but you know who he reminded me of in the role that he played, especially on the Fox News nightly news broadcast? He reminded me of Eric Severide at oh, yeah. CBS News. And Severide was one of Edward R. Murrow's boys, as they called them. He was a young man and reported from London during World War II on shortwave radio, which was then picked up by CBS Radio in the United States. A very distinguished reporter and writer who earned his stripes. And then from about 1963 or so until he retired in 1977, he did two-minute commentaries at the end of each CBS Evening News broadcast when it was anchored by Walter Cronkite. And I didn't always agree with him either. In fact, his nickname was... uh, Eric several sides because he appeared to come down on different sides of an issue depending on what night he was opining. But uh, it was an interesting dynamic to have kind of a a more mature voice taking a step back and, and taking the big picture view, kind of like an editorial page. And uh, so Charles Krauthammer for me served that kind of role and and I it's really a it's really a gap now in Fox News that he's no longer there and I'm really sad to think that he may never be there again but let's see what we can do to pray for him before actually oh I just want to mention briefly I'm uh at this very moment of course uh history is being made uh literally a half world away in Singapore as the summit between uh, President Trump and Kim Jong-un is going on, and I am monitoring the news channels with the volume down and the captions on, and they're showing a video of the two of them uh, shaking hands uh, before the K-1 
cameras leave and then they're left on their own with their translators. But for anyone listening live, streaming this, uh, you won't be missing anything by not tuning in to cable news or the news elsewhere because the uh, meetings, the summit is supposed to take uh, around two hours. So there will be no uh, even early report of what when hap- what happened until about uh, an hour and 45 minutes from now. So stick with us for the next hour. You won't miss anything. And as I'm watching the monitor, if anything pops up that really is breaking news, super newsworthy, I will mention it. Before I get into... Just, just, oh. start, just start singing Rocket Man. And, uh, uh, never mind. Uh, I should have that wrong thing in the background. There you go. All right. Uh, before I get into the, everything else I wanted to get into, I just wanted to mention this briefly, uh, uh, just as kind of a housekeeping thing to correct the record and actually drew some inspiration from this from your first half hour tonight, Doug, in which you were, uh, calling out some of the, uh, false or fake reports of what's going on in Arizona. With those reports, but uh, last week I heard on the Hagman report uh, a comment about my friend, my late friend Nicholas Gonzalez, and I, I really I thought about this over the weekend, and I thought I have to correct the record on this because it was entirely false, if not fake. And just to put the context in here for a bit, in June of 2015, a false meme was created on the internet alleging that uh, natural therapy-oriented or holistic medical people, doctors, chiropractors, osteopaths, were dying, were either dropping dead suspiciously or meeting uh, weird accidents that took their lives. And the person behind this meme who ran, who runs a website, tried to uh, link all of these really unlinkable uh, doctor deaths or going missing with some larger meme that, oh, these doctors are coming to a bad end because of some unnamed but obvious nefarious player out there who's bumping them off, whether it's Big Pharma or what, was never specified. This meme took off like wildfire, and although it has been uh, credibly debunked on the internet and, and I have thoroughly investigated it myself and it is fake news. There is no evidence that it is true. But I wouldn't even have mentioned it except that as this was being discussed on a recent show on the Hagman Report, I heard the name of Nicholas Gonzalez mentioned. Now, Nick Gonzalez, who I knew for over 25 years, was on my very short list of the best medical doctors that I ever knew, including a a Nobel laureate who's on that list. Gonzalez practiced for 30 years in New York City in clinical practice treating advanced cancer patients with the Gonzalez Protocol nutrition-based non-toxic therapy consisting of a special diet according to metabolic type, enzymes, nutritional supplements according to metabolic type and detoxification. Now I heard mention on the Hagman report that uh, he was part of this dead doctor's list and in fact his name was added to it shortly after he died on July 21st, 2015. In my opinion his name was added because it gave credibility to this list because he was the most 
famous and renowned alternative doctor to have died suddenly, but there is no evidence that uh, anything contributed to his death other than natural causes. But the reason I bring it up is, in the context of his name being mentioned on this dead doctor's list, uh, it was said that he was on this list because, like one or two or three others on the list, he was working close to a cure for autism using a drug called Nagalase. That was said on this program last week, and that is entirely false. I knew it to be false, but just to make absolute certainty, over the weekend, I emailed uh, one of the two closest sources to the late Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, uh, unimpeachable source, and I said, did I miss something? Did he ever work on autism? Did he ever use Nagalase? The email reply came back, no autism, no Nagalays. So I simply wanted to clear that up. I, I realized that once oh, the Thank you. once the uh, uh, you know horse is out of the barn and you close the door, it's a little later. Someone said once uh, a lie makes it halfway around the world before the truth can get its pants on. So yeah. this is a footnote correction, and and the lies and the fakery are out there. But uh, I couldn't rest until I I at least cleared this up because Gonzalez was one of my favorite human beings, and he was also, by the way, a dedicated uh, Christian man who had a knowledge and understanding of biblical scholarship that would have, if he was not a medical doctor, he would have been qualified to teach at Harvard Divinity School uh, a, a, a doctorate, doctoral level course. That, that's how smart this man was. He didn't wear his religion on his sleeve, but he lived it day in, day out. He was an inspiration. So when his name is used in any kind of context like that, it, that's not true. I just have well, he, to do He was a good, very good friend of yours. You two are good friends. Well, I, I considered him uh, my, my best male friend. And I know he considered me one of his best friends. And in fact... Uh, Shortly before he died, we were exchanging a lot of emails, and he asked me to uh, to write a, a book about him. He, he was uh, that confident in our friendship and my knowledge of his work that he said, and these are his words, which I have in in email, that only I could do it. So uh, I, I am blessed. He felt that way about me, and. Uh, you know, it, it was a terrible loss when he died. It actually took me uh, months to get over it, not that I have even to this day three years later, but I was able to write several articles about him, including one 3,000-word article, which was published in a peer-reviewed uh, Medline-indexed medical journal. That means this article had to be reviewed by medical doctors for accuracy before it would be published, and it was published with all of the footnotes and all of the references. So it's a serious piece of work. So when you have people out there shooting their mouths off based on some lying Internet site and and saying things off the top of their head or I don't know what, it, it just it really gets to me. And uh, well, I way, appreciate oh, you setting, setting the record straight on this because, again, you know, these things... Whether it's Tucson or a list of, of 
deaths, and especially the latter. Man, you know, it it it, it has an effect. So thank you for clarifying that. It's, well, it's we, we owe it to the audience, Doug. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't want to make a big deal about it. I didn't want to attack any other guests you've had. That's not this year. My purpose is to just clarify the record as I know it to be true. And I, I will challenge anyone uh, who says otherwise to show me the evidence because it doesn't exist. So that Perfect. goes up. Joe, I wanted to me- you, you mentioned uh, that uh, Michael Savage had said that uh, internet journalism has devolved into clickbait, and mm-hmm. I didn't hear him say that, but I, I was I was really thrilled to hear you quote him, because you recall I've been saying that in recent weeks, and I thought I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, saying it constantly, but it's like every week, as I uh, work in journalism, mainly at American Thinker, uh, my eyes are opened ever wider as to how this is the case. And and it really is a, a, an unfortunate development. Although we understand it, we understand how it needs to be, but it's uh, it, it makes it really difficult. And it's one reason that in the last week I only wrote one article because it's actually becoming more and more challenging, uh, not only to research and write these articles, but you have to enter into the thought of an article with the idea that how am I going to pitch this? How is it going to be presented so that it has uh, clickbait written all over the title? Yeah, yeah. And if you can't come up with that at the outset, it's actually a discouragement. You think, well, I'm not going to bother putting the time in, and it, it takes many hours to research and write one of these articles that, that's going to be published in a, a bona fide, legitimate publication like American Thinker. And it, it, it really is discouragement, and, and it also has ratcheted up the um, competition among writers who are, are falling over themselves to uh, follow the lead into uh, the clickbait universe, you know, and they're sometimes submitting multiple articles covering the same terrain because they know that's where the clickbait lies. And, Peter, one of the things that's frustrating about this is the... Uh, you know, getting in that mindset of, well, it has to be, it has to appear this certain way or nobody's going to click on it. Usually they never deliver like they promise. So you can see a YouTube video, uh, you know, something that's been hidden from you for all these years or that title like that. And you click on it and it's some computerized voice, uh, you know, giving you no new information. So you have, you know, the, the both sides of this and then you get things that are overlooked because maybe they don't have that catchy, uh, title or headline. But, you know, they're, they're, uh, just as deserving as other articles with those catchy titles. So it's mm-hmm. a, it's a deceptive thing to, you know, how they say judge a book by its cover, to judge an article by its title. But that's the way of the internet right now, it seems. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll rhapsodize about the early days of the World Wide Web. Uh, in my case, it was early 1995 when I first got on the web, and I think only about 1% of Americans were on the internet at that point, so I was a fairly early adopter. And in those early years, uh, where there was quite a bit of content already, even from the outset, uh, it, it almost seems like the good old days. I mean, we certainly have a plethora of information now, and, and we couldn't live without it, but there's so much garbage and fake news and crap on the internet that unless you are, I think, either a professional researcher or you're so dedicated 
to ferreting out the truth, it, it, it's going to be a real struggle. And see, uh, it, and it, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt here, but, but mm-hmm. we only have 24 hours a day, all of us do. And it's, you've got to, we, everyone really has to decide, all right, I can't listen to 24 hours worth of programming per day, so you've got to pick out the programming that will give you the most bang for your buck. And this is what we try to do. Um, it, it cover a lot of topics in a, in a period of time that we think that would appeal to the listener and viewer. Yes. And, um, it's, it's right now you're, and I'm seeing so much garbage out there. Peter, so much garbage. I, I don't, I, I, how, how, how do you make that this, how do you, how do you make the decision as to who to listen to? I'm just curious. Well, I'm probably in a unique position because I've been uh, doing this for longer than I care to admit. I mean, 50-plus years. I know I look decades younger than my chronological age. But, uh, you know, as I've said before, I I became a news junkie when I was in grade school, when other kids were following uh, baseball and keeping score of the major league games. Uh, I was reading the New York Times, uh, watching the news, listening to the news on the radio, and it just grew from there. And then uh, when I got to college, I got into it professionally, and ever since, that's what I've been doing. Even when periods when I haven't been writing for publications, I'm still following the news and screaming at the TV and absorbing everything from the Internet. And I think, uh, it, you know, it's not an impossible task to learn. In fact... I've taken great heart from many of the friends I've met on Twitter. I mentioned uh, my friend Roger in Australia, who's uh, got a very sophisticated understanding of the news. He says he, among the podcasts he listens to every day, are are Sean Hannity's show on audio, Laura Ingram, uh, Alex Jones. He listens to the Hagman Report while he's working. So you just have to use your common sense and your intelligence building on itself as you get deeper into these subjects and you compare it with your own uh, experience. I mean, just open your eyes and look at the world around you and then try to find writers, reporters, analysts, commentators who are helping to explain why it is you're seeing what you're seeing with your own eyes. So many people don't even seem capable of that. I mean, the lost, zombified generation that now is near a near majority, in my opinion, in this country, if not in the whole world, they've got their heads so stuck in their phone to such a degree that, that they don't even see the world around them. I mean, you'll, you'll go to the beach on a summer day, a beautiful day, and people have got their noses in their smartphones. Yeah. It's, it's, and this has happened in 10 years. So where it goes, I don't know. But at the same time, we know from the audience that tunes in to this program and from the audience that reads American Thinker and the other credible publications that there are smart people out there that seem to be able to put it together. So I would say just keep looking, analyzing, sifting and comparing it with your own experience, your own common sense. Who seems to be uh, closer to reporting the truth without some agenda pushing them forward. And sometimes you have to research that. I, I did some reporting two months ago on the background of uh, Ben Shapiro, who is in a position now to become a 
a big shot conservative. Not not to single him out. I don't have a particular gripe with him, but you know, I and some others were exposing. Well, who's who's behind him? Who's paying the bills? And therefore, who's part of his agenda when he sounds like a never Trumper? So it, it is a big responsibility, but it's not impossible. And people have more smarts and common sense than they're given credit for. And and probably the last people to pay attention to are the talking heads on television. You know, if if you're watching Fox News, pay attention to people like the real journalists, Sarah Carter, John Solomon, Sean Hannity, and, you know, not the the, uh, left-right spokespeople that he has on. You can basically just tune them out. And again, a, a site that I really like a lot is realclearpolitics.com. It's it's a pretty mainstream site, but on any given day they have two feeds, morning and afternoon, and they aggregate and compile several score articles from left and right that are mostly but not exclusively from the mainstream media, but on the right side it's from the good parts of the center right or even far right sometimes. Uh media and some great writers that they link to there and and also if you want to get a quick take on what the left what what the pinnacle of the left is saying you know not the name callers but uh the people who make a living writing for the left so they're going to put their best foot forward not that it makes any sense of course but if you want to get a quick view of what the spin is there that's a good place to get it and then go to the counter uh, they usually alternate left, right, left, right, pretty much in the the lineup of stories. But they often link to, for example, Andrew McCarthy, Victor Davis Hanson, uh, two of, of the many exceptional conservative uh, traditional right writers, knowledgeable men, and and some women too, of course, who are really worth reading. And uh, so I, I I check that every day a couple of times and. And Peter, uh, real clear politics. I, I have enjoyed that site for several years. I like how they have the different sections, you know, the video sections, mm-hmm. and then you can go uh, just about any location or a country, and uh, they they have it formatted real nice. But it one thing I, about real clear politics is when you start to read the headlines, it seems like sometimes it takes the extreme from from both sides. You'll see you know the same topic but two different headlines: one from a mm-hmm. from a conservative, one from a liberal. And then, and then you'll see, uh, you know, the, their own personal spin on it based on how they, uh, perceived it. You know, the North Korea meetings will say, one will say, you know, uh, President Trump making diplomatic history in North Korea. And the other one will say, uh, President Trump makes a <laughs> fool of himself in Singapore. And that, that's kind of why I like it. You get those, those polar opposites right there next to each other. And it is, it is better expressed, in my opinion. And let's say if you tune into uh, CNN, MSNBC, or oh, even yeah. Fox News to get the uh, divergent talking heads, because there they're limited, and this drives me crazy. You know, Fox will have a couple of guests on one left, one right, and the segment will run three or four minutes. Now, when you look at the transcription of that, uh, that's about a hundred, hundred and fifty words max that each speaker can speak. Now that's ridiculous to try to make your case on any kind of complex issue in that short amount of time. It's, it's basically you're just hurling talking points at the camera. 
And there's a there's of course an art form to that, but it really doesn't. It's not very enlightening. So I, I still like the written word. Uh, I, I like the written word that's not truncated. I mean, there's this site out there now, Axios, that's very hot. And most of their articles are limited to 300 words. And actually, they do a good job at that, but that is not really my cup of tea either. I want uh, something longer than that to really get into that, especially if it's uh, good writing. Uh, now, uh, to... to um, before we run out of time, I should say I, I, I thought of a title for tonight's hour, so I'll finally get around to it. And actually, it was a really good segue from uh, your first guest, Pastor Billy Crone. And uh, I was able to listen to about half of his 90 minutes, and then I had to pay attention to uh, what was happening in Singapore. But, wow, he is a tough act to follow with what he was reporting but uh, it also almost leaves you speechless when you consider what he was reporting. But I thought it, it kind of fit into where what I originally wanted to title this, and that was uh, the decline of the West uh, is there hope, or or can can it be saved? And that's because I was thinking that uh, it was 100 years ago this year that a book was published titled. The Decline of the West. The author was Oswald Spengler, who was kind of a freelance um, intellectual in Germany. And at the time, he was writing in German. At the time, Germany was about to lose the First World War, and uh, their country was going to go down the tubes. And we saw where that wound up about 15 years later with the rise of Hitler. But Spengler had a, a very complex... Uh, method of evaluating history and civilizations. And just even to quote one line from Wikipedia, which I think is pretty accurate, it said, Spengler's model of history postulates screensaver, postulates that any culture is a superorganism with a limited and predictable lifespan. And he predicted that Western civilization would basically burn out in the 20th century, and by the year uh, 2000, he nailed it, or he estimated, it would uh, really be turning bad. And one can't really summarize his book, which actually was in two volumes. He issued a second volume four years later. Uh, and I obtained a copy of this book uh, a number of years back. Uh, I think it was a first edition. I unfortunately don't have it here. It's in storage elsewhere. But... Uh, it, it was hot in Europe and Germany in the 1920s because of what it was reporting and predicting. And it also was translated into English and was widely reviewed and discussed and popular here in the United States in the 1920s. And then it kind of finally fell aside and we had the 30s and the build-up to World War II and then World War II, of course, which the United States emerged from World War II in 1945 as at the height of its power. This was the beginning of the height of the American century, a term we sometimes hear describing the United States in the 20th century. But in my opinion, the height of the American century would be from the victory in World War II, 1945, when we emerged as the superpower. Of course, there was the Soviet Union, but its economy was tiny compared to ours. Its military was big, but 
In many ways, it was a paper tiger, except that they stole our nuclear technology and had nuclear bombs, but really wasn't any contest when you look back on it. So I would say that from 1945 through the mid-60s, when it all began to go south in this country with the cultural revolution that began to ruin everything, that it really was the best years, the height of the American century. So why do I even mention the Spengler book now? It's it's long forgotten. Well, here's the tie-in, in my opinion, with what we could even talk about today, which is our ongoing theme when I come on, it seems, of why is everything so messed up today, and can we uh, turn the clock back, or can we really make America great again? in light of the uh, globalist, communist, one-world penetration that has corrupted every field of endeavor in this country, no matter what it is. Well, here, here's the tie-in. At the end of World War II, uh, well, I should say, when, when, a, when a country wins a war, like the United States won World War II and World War I, you would think, you know, that's the time where everybody's going to feel good, we had victory, rah-rah, uh, well, think again. After World War I, there was a group of uh, malcontent losers, basically, uh, artists, writers. Many of them took off for Europe and uh, licked their wounds over there, the so-called lost generation, and started writing novels, and some of them did uh, art, paintings, and, and they were the malcontents who were the naysayers, planting some seeds which would help to bear fruit decades later when the Cultural Revolution really hit. The same thing happened right after World War II when everything was really upbeat in this country except for a very small number of uh, insidious but ultimately extremely influential forces who really helped to set the stage for what happened in the 1960s and the Cultural Revolution of that decade. Now, it's very popular, and we all agree that things really started to go wrong in the 60s. But the 60s were just really a turbocharged version of what took root in after World War II with this small group of, again, malcontents, losers, most of them homosexuals, by the way. And I, I raise that because they made a big deal out of the fact 70, 60 years ago that they were homosexuals. They wore that on their sleeve as a badge of honor when it was not popular to do so. Now, these individuals, really the guiding force behind it uh, was William S. Burroughs, who was uh, 10 or 15 years older than the rest. The rest included the poet, or, or eventually the poet, Allen Ginsberg, the uh, novelist and poet Jack Kerouac. Kerouac, by the way, was the only one who was uh, a, a cut above and different from the rest of this group. He was actually, uh, he returned to Christianity in his last years. He's a very spiritual man, and he loved America. His, his best books like On the Road, The Dharma Bums, uh, and, and many others were rhapsodies about the greatness of flyover country, of new vistas of the American West. So he was a person apart from the rest of what came to be called the beat literary generation. 
And these people who originally gathered around Columbia University right after World War II uh, led this homosexually directed bohemian lifestyle which uh, was 20 years ahead of its time for what came about in the mid to late 60s with the Cultural Revolution. Uh, they lived communally. They were attracted to criminals, actual small-time criminals who worked in the Times Square area of Manhattan, fleecing people, robbing people, ripping off. They thought these were like the new heroes of the America they wanted to see. And the reason that uh, there's a tie-in with Oswald Spengler's Decline of the West is that was one of their favorite books. While the rest of intellectual Europe and America had pretty much kissed that good book goodbye, these characters resurrected it, and that's where I first heard about it. When I was uh, studying the beat literary generation writers, some of whom I got very close to in the late 60s, 70s, and 80s, I did a lot of reporting on them, interviewing with them, and... Um, it was a strange universe, but I'm glad that I saw it firsthand. And so they they were talking about Oswald Spengler when everybody else had forgotten him. And uh, the title says it all, The Decline of the West. Because these guys in the beat literary generation who set the mold in motion for the cultural revolution of the 60s, they were 15, 20 years ahead of their time there, uh, they hated the United States. And what do, what do we see happening in the 60s, in the late 60s? These groups that were spawned in a big way, whether it was the Black Panthers, SDS, Students for a Democratic Society, uh, the other usually Marxist-based hate groups, terrorist groups in many cases, the Weather Underground. What do they have in common? They hated the United States of America, its constitution, its laws, its traditions, and the people who were elected to lead it. And uh, if you look back at the 1940s, when the people who were in that mold numbered really a handful, it was a handful of these pro-communist, Marxist, Leninist, um, well, I could use other names. I should probably stop there. But uh, you, you can get the picture of the kind of uh, debauched and debased lifestyles they were leading. And uh, they, they gained influence through the media. Uh, Allen Ginsberg, uh, by the way, Michael Savage, in his analysis of the 60s, has identified three people who he says are most responsible for the bad things that came out of the 60s and live on to this day. And he listed William Kunstler, the radical attorney, Dr. Timothy Leary, the uh, uh, Pied Piper of drugs, in particular psychedelics and LSD, and Allen Ginsberg, the poet. Ginsberg was a mad genius at working the media, literally working for years with no money, he managed to turbocharge the beat generation so that it wormed its way first into academia, well, first into academia as well as the media. 
and when the 60s happened happened and the drugs began to become available uh at, at, at the behest or at the uh uh at the hands of the central intelligence agency a lot of it by the way which was responsible for the spread of psychedelic drugs in this country very well documented point books have been written about it it's like the young generation of baby boomers was waiting for that meme, if we can call it a meme, to happen. The beat generation and the beatnik movement became the cultural revolution of the 60s. And uh, at the time, whether it's the 40s or the early mid-60s, if you can remember back to that time, and I can, even when I was reporting on these characters in the 70s and observing their lifestyles and Ginsburg in 1972 wrote a book called The Fall of America, which he was predicting. He predicted the fall of America. This was 50 years after Spengler's book, but it was basically the same theme, but in poetry. But at the time, as I'm reporting on these things and interviewing Ginsburg, it was always like, well, this is some fringe movement. You know, uh, this could never really happen. This could never really take root and take over the entire country so I thought and obviously I was wrong because in the intervening decades it has come into full flower as this kind of madness based on Marxism Leninism hedonism homosexuality uh, narcissism has now taken over everything in my opinion, and it's why if I ask myself the question, uh, the decline of the West, can we turn it around? Can we make America great again? I have to say, God only knows because I don't. That's very well said, and, and I and I appreciate you mentioning back, uh, you giving the, um, well, people need to understand how far back this goes, who was involved. Um, I recently completed the uh, reading of the a book Takedown by uh, Dr. Paul Kenger and that addressed the Marxist alliance with the homosexual movement as well as the assault on our family the, the, the family unit which corresponds with what you said you know the free love generation the, the uh, as, as you put it in very well stated, the beatnik generation, um, all of this coming together, and we're seeing the fruits of, of that today. And you said that book was 100 years old? Uh, right. Uh, Oswald Spengler's Decline of the yeah. West, yep. Volume 1, was published in 1918. I, I don't know the exact date, but it was almost exactly 100 years ago as we speak. And uh, if you Google it, you'll, you'll find... Uh, uh, Wikipedia entries on it and, and other writings about this book, uh, even though it's, it's pretty much, uh, trailed off the, uh, the front burner now. But again, I think there, there aren't many people who probably remember or would even be interested in highlighting how it was so influential to this cadre of beat literary figures who I contend were, uh, the real starting point of America going off in an entirely wrong direction, which again we saw 
flower in the 60s, and then it kind of simmered down in the 70s. You know, the 70s were a, a kind of natural pullback from the excesses of the, the 60s. We saw the urban riots, uh, mostly curtailed in the 70s. We saw uh, the terrorist groups like the Black Panthers and the Weather Underground either go underground or go out of business. And even in the music, you know, in, in the, the rock music, and, and I followed music very, very closely as well as part of this. Well, now I look back and see as part of this whole uh, movement. But the music of uh, the 1960s starting, you can almost date it exactly, around 1966, and by 69 it had burned itself out with the failed Altamont concert in San Francisco with the Rolling Stones at which one of the concert goers was killed and it was like a, a bad news anti-Woodstock it wasn't Woodstock mm. too it was a bummer and in those three years or so you had the rise of psychedelic rock and meshed perfectly well with the widespread distribution of these psychoactive drugs and a lot of it was revolutionary. Uh, there was a, a group around then, Jefferson Airplane, who were actually quite good as musicians and performers. But uh, one of their albums, titled Volunteers, was filled with, with songs like, uh, one of them, the lyrics were, of God a revolution, got to revolution. Yeah, if you look at the lyrics, which were printed with that album, it was like a call to arms, you know, up against the wall, MF was mm -hmm. in the lyrics. Uh, but by the 70s, in fact, 1970, there was a drastic turn. We had uh, the music of Carole King, James Taylor, Cat Stevens. Suddenly, the psychedelic was out, and in was the quiet, reflective singer-songwriter. It just meant that the revolution was kind of uh, going... It was cooling down for a bit. The seeds had been planted. But what happened in the late 70s? Well, the first hip-hop rap song came out. It was a fairly tame number called Rapper's Delight. And that's where the title of rap music allegedly came from. And uh, But within very short order, rap or hip-hop, became very revolutionary. In fact, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, one of the most celebrated rap hip-hop groups was uh, commonly known as N.W.A., which stood for N-Word with Attitude. And it was revolutionary. It was kind of like a, a, a black version, an urban, in-the-hood version rap style of what had gone on in the late 60s with the psychedelic, primarily white-oriented music. Well, when rap finally got its chance, it advanced the cultural decay, in my opinion, orders of magnitude further. And in fact, today, it was recently revealed or announced that the number one best-selling musical genre in the United States and I think in the world is rap and hip-hop. It even outsells the genre of classic rock or contemporary rock and roll. Even That's country? That's yesterday's news. Yes. Wow. Yes. And, you know, I, I actually noticed um, 
the first stirrings of this almost 20 years ago. At the time, I was subscribing to the Los Angeles Times in hard copy daily. It was the dawn of the Internet. And every week, the Times back then would run a list of the top 10 albums, which were on CD then, and the top 10 uh, singles, which were also CD. Now everything is streamed, but they still can, you still have to buy it pretty much, or you're supposed to, and uh, they keep track of, you know, what's hot and what's not. But I was noticing in the mid-90s that when I looked at the best-selling albums and singles, they were mostly by blacks, and they were largely in this hip-hop rap genre. And it took a while for this to really completely eclipse other musical uh, modes. For example, classical music has basically been driven out of, of, of the whole popular culture. There are, I think you can count the number of classical music radio stations on one hand now, and they're not even real classical. They're like classical light, but they just don't even exist anymore. You no longer hear anything like classical music on Muzak or it's it, it just not heard. Uh, so that that's it, it probably accounts for one percent of uh, streaming music today or however they measure record sales. So that's gone. Anything that's lyrical, including country music, uh, traditional rock, uh, standards, what used to be called middle of the road, you know, Frank Sinatra type, uh, Tony Bennett music, that's going away fast because the audience is dying out. Just like the audience that can read, think, evaluate, uh, measure what they see, read, and hear today with their memory going back more than one decade to when America was great. Those people, we, are dying out. So th this is the brave new world. It's here. It's, 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 it, the way you put that together, people, if you didn't get all of that, folks, go back and listen, because the way you constructed that was brilliant, I thought. And then the Just question, saying. will we ever be able to recover and Peter, from what you just laid out, going back a hundred years, this agenda of slowly, you know, working on the American people, the family, the Constitution, and everything else, it, it seems like we're so far removed uh, that, that it's unrecognizable what America was like before this cultural revolution. Yeah. Well, well and then you, you know, as a follow-up to the previous guest tonight, uh, Pastor Crown, you uh, consider what we were both saying on this program tonight and uh, it, it's a it's quite frankly it's a witch's brew of information which has to be told it has to be shared to the degree that we know it can report it and understand it and can articulate it but I, I think at this point certainly tonight I'm going to withdraw from the predictive mode which we all like to get into you know well what's next you know can we work our way out of this? Uh, as I said earlier, God only knows. And I'm praying hard, and I hope everybody else is. And, of course, one recommendation I would make, as I've made before, and as we will continue to make, is that November is very, very important. It was two years ago, right now, that we thought we were done for, that our <laughs> goose was cooked. And a miracle happened on Election Day, November 
2016, and we got a reprieve. Very much. And I hope that we, you know, and isn't it interesting that two years later, almost two years later, even though we elected President Donald J. Trump, who we know in our hearts is the right man for the job, and he can't complete the job. He can't, in many cases, even start the job because of all the things we document, the shadow government, the deep state, the zombification of our fellow citizens, the invasion of this country by mindless illegal immigrants. Yep. So, you know, the last hope we have this year is to vote in November. Vote early and vote often, but <laughs> vote correctly because if the Democrats take over in November, our goose is really going to be cooked. I mean, they've said they're going to push for, if they get power, they're going to push for mandatory socialized medicine. No more Obamacare. This is going to be full-blown, single-payer, communist Marxist medical care. A free college tax everybody to the max. I mean, their, their platform is insidious. And they actually have social media on their side because social media, in my view, is kind of like the old calls for direct democracy that the left used to make. Oh, we could just sit back, do away with Congress, Good point. and vote. Yeah. And instead now, they've got, we can't do that, thank God, because what would people vote for? Oh, I'm going to vote to get free everything, tax the rich, right? It's not even a fair contest. Now they have social media where, like when the Roseanne thing happened, well, it's trending that she should be fired. So, you know, that's a license to can her. So social media is dominated by the left. We on the right use it for information. We don't go on there and, and, and hurl accusations and name call and try to get people fired or blocked or uh, boycotted because that's not our style. Plus, too many of us are working too hard <laughs> to support our families, whereas the left in general are a bunch of, uh, well, not probably can go there. <laughs> well, <laughs> idiots and they're lazy. They're takers, not makers. That has been proven. They are takers, not makers. And, uh, you know, yeah. should there be, should there be a, an intelligence test for voting? Should there be a test that if you don't pay taxes, maybe you, your vote shouldn't count as much? I don't know, but we're in a sad state of affairs, folks. But November is the ticket this year. Get ready. Study the issues. Study the candidates. And be sure you're registered to vote and then vote on Election Day. Amen. Okay. And with that, the music, Peter Barry Chalky, took us out tonight. Incredible hour. Thank you very much for your time and, and for, I, I gotta tell you, a lot of information packed, uh, you packed a lot of information there, a lot of important information. So, um, understand how things are connected and are working. And of course, looking forward to November, you know, it's, it's not the blue wave. I better not be because within that blue wave is a red plague. That's right. A red just, tide. Some of the yes. first images of President Trump shaking hands with Kim Jong-un are out there, so make sure you check those out. But we're absolutely out of time. Thank you so much, Peter Chowka, at P. Chowka on Twitter. Make sure you follow him, and we will be back tomorrow. Have a great night. Thank you, guys. God bless. Thank you, Peter.